Welcome to another edition of Mass Mats and Ma'am. I'm your host, the Outlaw LA Red. You can find me on Twitter at Justin Harvey75. You can find the entire show on the tweet machine at MMM Show75. And uh it's surprisingly a big week in all sorts of things, wrestling and MMA. And um we have none other than Eric Van Wagner joining us here at the top of the show for a couple of minutes just to talk about a few things. Um and uh, welcome, Eric. Let me unmute your microphone. I'll unmute everybody and we can jump right into it because believe it or not, even after Eric, we've got another guest. Um, but we wanted to we wanted to talk with Eric because there's so much stuff going on. And most importantly, um, coming to our little city of Los Angeles this weekend, Tito Ortiz and Chael Sonnen, some a guy yes. you know a little something about. Am I on? Can you hear me? You're on. Yeah. Awesome. I can hear you. Yeah. yeah he, um... Uh, I was watching the press conference for today, and if you haven't seen a, a funny press conference in a while, I would highly suggest um, watching Chell Sonnen's uh, spectacular heel work uh, in the in the press conference today. I mean, I think he uh, Scott Coker owes him a, a little bonus check for uh, selling some tickets, but it was really <laughs> it was really funny. I mean, dude, Chell Chell has said that you know he thought since he left the game a little prematurely in his last stint that uh, Connor stole some of his shine and nobody can talk up a fight like him. I think he's trying to prove a, a point more with ticket sales than with the damn fight. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think he, he always, he doesn't look like the kind of guy that can fight like he can fight, but, you know, you can't count him out. I mean, you know, he was, what, 30 seconds away from beating Anderson Silva. So, you know, he, he knows how to put something together when he needs to. And, you know, I, I hope I hope he wins. I'm a fan. I think he's great. Um, and, uh, you know, it's fan. good to, it's good to have it. Good to have a reason to go back to the forum. I haven't been to the forum in years, and I love the forum. Yeah. Did you get good tickets? Did Chell Did Chell get you some seats? I mean, you, you uh, made him look better than he probably should have looked on Celebrity Apprentice, right? Yeah, and he, you believe me. Watch this Monday, okay? Because if you want to see Chell in rare form, uh, it, it just so happens he's going to have a really good televised week this week, both Saturday night on Spike TV at nine o'clock Eastern, and then you know, uh, Monday eight o'clock on NBC. He's great. So I, I was definitely sorry. I didn't mean to kill your plug there. I was definitely worried watching Celebrity Apprentice this week. Like, oh God, what if Chael goes out of Celebrity Apprentice this week, and that's going to be all in his head, and he's going to be going into this fight, and he's going to be all <laughs> sideways. Like, I was, I was you actually really watching. Think he cares. Apprentice. You really he think cares. he cares? Do you really think that would have that would have messed with his head? I doubt it. I mean, um, but it's funny, and and actually, um, Scott Coker, the the guy who runs Bellator, is an old friend. He used to get me fighters on Bully Beatdown from Strikeforce, and uh, um, we had been talking for a while. And I kept telling him he needs to put Chael in a fight sometime in January during the the taping. So this was a well planned, I think, event. Well, Coker is a brilliant, brilliant guy. I mean, and he's played his cards better than anybody. You know, he he did the the strike force switch off and then going into the ufc for a little while and just kind of playing in the, the role in the shadows and biding his time and then you know switching over to to bellator seamlessly when bjorn all of a sudden just disappeared off the planet for two years yeah and, and scott just came in there like it was no problem at all and just was like yeah this is what we have to work with let's do it guys i mean the guy's amazing and fighters love him and I can, I can see why. I mean, I've been friends with him for years, and he, he is one of those guys that just you, – you just like him. You know, you have lunch with him one time, and you, all of a sudden, you're, you know, you guys are friends. And, and uh, you know, he, 
he was really doing a lot with Strikeforce. People forget that Strikeforce was selling out uh, that San Jose arena regularly. And then they started doing, um, you know, shows around the world and or around the world, around the country. And they had a CBS deal for a while and they were, um, they were really starting to eat off of the, you know, the UFC's table a little bit. And basically they came in and they paid him, you know, to, they, they sold the company and he had a non-compete for like four or five years. So he, he just, you know, played golf and hung out and did all this other stuff. And then literally like the day after his non-compete uh, expired, uh, Bellator made the switch. By at that point, they had been, I guess, bought by Viacom, and and Bjorn was on the way out, and they just dropped Cochrane. And I know he's got to be like a big pain in the ass for Dana, because um, <laughs> he, he just he just keeps coming back and keeps coming back and, and reinventing himself. And he's one of uh, the nicest guys in MMA, and I and I wish nothing but success for him. Well, and I like Dana too. You know, I've known Dana for a, a long time, and and I I still think though that the competition is good for the business. It's like the 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 Vince McMahon Ted Turner thing back in the day. It's like, you know, if we have if we have the right kind of war in MMA, it could benefit everyone. So, and this is the beginning of it. I mean, shots are being fired. You know, we'll see how the numbers do. Given this is a, a free show, not on pay per view, which is also amazing. Um, yeah. that 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 Tito's free. So I, I'm very excited by it. And I'm not a huge Bellator fan. Like, I don't watch a ton of Bellator. Um, I, I personally, I like the, the really up-and-coming guys that are just getting started. And then I like the guys that are more established. So Bellator kind of falls in the middle. Um, but I watch yeah, some I every now and then. They were kind of like, it seemed like they were kind of pigeonholed as this East Coast promotion, you know. And, and most of their, you know, young fighters were all East Coast guys. And, and they didn't have a strong international presence. And it feels like they're trying to actively change that. And then, you know, the guy, the, he, Scott's always been good for a stunt, you know, good for a ratings fight, good for something that maybe is not going to uh, um, break records or be the greatest fight ever, but is at least interesting. His matchmaking has always been, Scott's matchmaking, you can't really, you, you, you can't really knock. He he's really knows how to put together good fights. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I guess, I guess the other thing, um, uh, let's talk quickly about the, the Celebrity Apprentice, too. I've been watching this season. I know the last Real Heels have been watching this yeah. season. And, in fact, I think they're recording a review of this week's episode as we speak. <laughs> oh, so so you're, the guy, you're the three guys watching it. Awesome. Thank you. I mean, dude, I'm I'm watching the hell out of it. Well, look, are, are the numbers that bad? Come no, on, the numbers are they're, they're not that bad. I mean, you know, I'm not going to do the showrunner bullshit that is always like, well, you know, we we did okay in the demos, and when you add the plus sevens, and we, I mean, you know, we we got it. <laughs> like anyone who's ever worked in TV has knows that showrunner who's you know the the last to jump off the the ship. And and look, I love the sh the show's been great for me. It's been fun. Um, I do think we were the victim of a lot of things in that, um, you know, there was this, uh, the announcement that Donald was retaining as the executive producer credit on the show, even though he had absolutely zero to do with the production of the show, but retaining the credit was enough to mobilize, you know, the public, um, you know, hatred and disdain for the show. Um, and so, you know, there was a, there was a pretty big boycott apprentice thing that was going around and look, I, I, you know, I can't say I blame people. It's just, you know, they they want to, they want to uh, 
um, you know, sort of demonstrate their opinion of our president-elect by not watching his old show. That's look, we're American. But, but, but they know that. that boy George put a tranny on a motorcycle this week, right? <laughs> it was pretty hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, you you can't get much more left than that. I don't think. <laughs> I know, and 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 Arnold and and uh, Donald are are uh, not friends. You know, they they yeah. there's very little uh, love lost between the two of them. Yeah, um, as much as Arnold Arnold was a Republican governor of our fair state, he's pretty far to the left also for being on the right. <laughs> you don't get elected governor in California by being a hard uh, Republican, a hard uh, conservative. And and look, you know, Donald gets it both ways. He gets to have the executive producer credit on the show. And if the show tanks, he gets to say, ha, 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 I'm better than superstar Arnold Schwarzenegger, which is exactly what he did. And very uh, quickly, in fact, like it wasn't even it wasn't even like yeah. minutes into the first episode. He's already trying to do that. <laughs> it, it's typical. But, you know, that, that that's that's the personality we signed on to work with. So, like, I did, it didn't surprise me a bit. I was completely expecting something like that. It's completely in his nature. And um you know, we, we still think we put together a good season. And, you know, if people don't want to give us a chance, it's, it's their right. Well, I, I have honestly been enjoying it. I've actually always been a fan of the show. I even liked the original uh, incarnation before there were celebrities. You know, I, yeah. and uh, I worked with Rancic on uh, Airplane Repo a while back, too. So I was a big fan of his from, from the inception of the show. So um, no, nobody, nobody who ever worked on the show ever thought in a million years we'd be looking at this. I mean, this was not something that, <laughs> that uh, we ever predicted. And, um, you know, we're, we're surprised as anybody, to be honest. Well, so is there, is, you said that Chael's got some big moments coming up. Is there, is yeah. there anything else you can tease about The Celebrity Apprentice before we, we move off of that topic for this uh, season? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure I'm allowed, what I'm allowed to say, but let's just say Chael is uh, coming. Chael is, Chael is about to turn into Chael. So, uh, oh, dude, uh, I popped, I popped hard when he did the whole, I'm going to take out all of you guys. <laughs> like <laughs> sitting right there in the boardroom. I was just yeah. like, you guys don't even know you let the bad guy in the room. That was a mistake. It was kind of like that the whole time. I think in the first couple episodes, you know, when you're trying to get a show down, uh, you know, a show that you shoot in three days and you're trying to squeeze it down to 42 minutes, the network tends to lean on the bigger stars for the sound bites and the, and the, the reality. You know, you kind of want to set the hook with the guys like, uh, you know, Boyd George and Vince Neil and people like that. And um, but there was plenty of chill all along. I mean, you know, the guy, he, he, you know, he does he does what he does. Yeah, well, he's he seems to be surviving that Shark Tank nicely. So I'm I'm pulling for him. I'm pulling for him this weekend. I'm pulling for him on your show, even though you know the results already. Damn it! Um, I want to see him do well. I want to see him get far and cause lots and lots of commotion. I really want to see him go head to head with Lisa Leslie. To tell you the truth, uh, that that's like oh. the the fight that I want to see. You're gonna you, look. You're you're just setting the hook, man. You're, you 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 need to watch this week. He's excited right now. I can tell. All right. An old fish showing up. Did we lose him? I wow. think he was so excited that he froze, actually. Ah. I lose you guys. Right. My internet's terrible. Oh, you're good now. Here's the hard questions. My, uh, my internet's good. I was just saying that I, I love seeing Melissa Santos on the show, too. It's like an old friend showing up in a new place. I know, and, and I wish we did. she was getting more camera time. When we were hoping we were going to get the two-hour versions like we used to get with Donald, you know, that, that part gets a lot bigger. Um, 
but but yeah, it was funny. People didn't really seem to notice. I think she didn't get much to say, but she actually had a line. I think this last week, and um, you know, she's fun. Uh, Melissa's great. She's fun to have on the set. Um. So that being said, I don't know if you heard our show last week, but man, I, I was kind of furious. I kind of went off a little bit because a lot of people were touting the demise of Lucha Underground with the hiatus and and you know things changing and. You know, I kind of went on a, a bit of a, a rant last week about how television works because I think people don't look at this situation the yeah. same. And, and I have a slightly different perspective, and I don't know all the ins and outs, but to me, a lot of it was very surface. And it was just like, guys, you, you're crazy if you don't think that this group of individuals is behind the scenes busting their ass on something right now to make this work. You've heard you know, all the showrunners talk about how much they love the show and how it's the best job they've ever had. Do you think they're trying to make it go away? Do you think that <laughs> Dorian doesn't like money? You know, do you think that he doesn't want this idea to be successful that, you know, he brought this thing up from Mexico and he wants it to tank? Do you think that Robert Rodriguez isn't looking for a way to monetize this the best way possible and fill his airwaves with something other than Knight Rider reruns? Like, people, to me, it was just really ticking me off because it was like, dude, have some faith in these guys that, you know, I know are back, you know, behind the scenes having meetings and trying to get everything in, in their ducks in a row, but you're dealing with three entities basically with the LLC, MGM and El Rey network, which, which I'm sure you know better than any of us. You're dealing mm -hmm. with three very large entities that have their own agendas and they're looking for different things. And none of us know what else is going on. Like if, if a Netflix deal that you guys are trying to do might be holding things up, if changes in production might be holding things up, if not wanting to film in summer when it's hot as hell and unbearable and that temp temple is holding things up, yeah, you know, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> if want some new lenses for the cameras, like we don't know necessarily what it is, but it's like, I just wanted people to think and understand that in my opinion, it was something worth the holdup. So it, I don't it, know what you can tell us and what you can't tell us, but maybe you can explain to, to people a little bit better, you know, what the firsthand information what is the hell's going on. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah it, why there's this break, what's going on and what, what you can say about uh, what's happening. And let me, let me preface this by, by saying the, these are my opinions only. Okay. These are, this is not, um, uh, I am not privy to decisions being made on the network level. Um, I have not had these conversations with Daniel. This is purely 26 years of TV experience, knowing networks, having worked with lots of networks and understanding the flow of rolling out new programming, the flow of, of trying to build a network around certain things. Um, and because of that, I will say this. When we shot season three, we had no idea that there would be this mini hiatus. We, you know, we didn't shoot it. To, to create a cliffhanger and then a, a, a return. That that was done, you know, we didn't even really know about that this was gonna happen until I'd say like December or um, maybe November, December. Uh, I think the, right. you know, the idea was floating around there, but it hadn't been kind of announced. And then, you know, there was some discussion on where to take the break, when to take the break, when does it make the most sense to do it? And, you know, we didn't know how long the break was going to happen. Now. Up to this point, I had no idea what that was about. I clearly didn't understand, um, you know, why we were doing it, why the network wanted to do it, other than the fact that, you know, they want to, uh, my initial thought was they want to extend, extend the season so that our 
you know, our, our final episodes air during a ratings book, during like September when, when you know, the ratings are important. Um, then I see the uh, LRA announcement from the TCAs um, basically saying, and, I, and look, I, I believe in being a good partner. You know, LRA is, a, is an upstart channel. Yes. They have been unbelievably amazing to work for. They're fantastic. They're so they they allow us to be creative. They they are are supportive in all the weird ideas that that we bring to the show. They've never hey, and they drop skip in your lap too, yeah. which is a godsend. Yeah. yeah, they never tell us no for the sake of advertising. They never do any of the things that networks do on a regular basis that drive producers crazy. They don't do any of that. Um, so, but you know, the truth is, is that they have. Um, uh, they have to bring in more shows other than from Dust to Dawn and Luch Underground. And from Dust to Dawn is on hiatus right now. So the only real original programming that they have is Luch Underground. Um, in order to survive, they need more shows. Now, they announced at the TCA that they've greenlit two reality unscripted shows. Um, it's called One is called Rite of Passage. Um, and the other one is called, hold on, I have it here somewhere. Oh, I got um, it. Man, man at Arms. Yeah, Man, man at Arms. Okay. Yeah. So they've greenlit those two shows. And from the press release that I went, from what I saw, they are planning on rolling those shows out in the fall when a lot of other shows get rolled out. Okay. That makes great sense. Now, what, when is the, um, how, do, how do networks roll out new shows? Well, on NBC, if you have a new show on NBC, where do they put it? Right after The Voice. Yeah, right? piggyback. That's, their highest, that's their highest rated show. So I'm just putting, and again, this is me just speculating. Okay, this is nothing official. Don't quote me. I'm not speaking for Daniel Tibbetts. I'm not speaking for Robert Rodriguez, Mark Burnett, or anybody else. This is just my opinion. But my guess is, is that when those shows roll out in either September or October, it will be after Ultima Lucha 3, one of the weeks of Ultima Lucha 3. So... You know, it makes sense to when you have a night when people are tuning into your channel anyway, get them to stick around for Rites of Passage or get them the next week to stick around for Man at Arms, whatever it is. That's just good TV. You know, like you said, you don't want to sandwich it in the middle of a Starsky and Hutch, you know, marathon. You want to put it where people and promo it during a show where the most people are watching it. So now it all makes sense to me. Now it makes sense. Okay, that's why, because they want to run the Ultima Lucha 3 in the fall consecutively with the introduction of these series. You know, and I, I, I think because they don't have an air date yet for those new series, they're a little hesitant to commit on the return date of Lucha Underground. But I'm sure when you back it up, it will be, you know, 21 weeks until the premiere of the other shows. Right. That, and, and like I said, that's just me thinking it. But it makes well, sense. That's, that's, I, I feel the same way. And, and that was part of what I kind of wanted people to understand too, is that honestly, this is not something that is showing a lack of faith in Lucha Underground. In fact, no, it's an endorsement. don't necessarily know. It could be an endorsement because they need Lucha Underground. And, and I was saying this all along. It's like Lucha Underground is not going to go away right now, guys. It's, it's an affordable show for them to make. It's good quality programming that has a cult male fan base following that all these networks want. I mean, Sci-Fi Channel survives and thrives with huge ad by <laughs> campaigns on their network because of it. And you yeah. guys are bringing that kind of uh, viewership to your show. So there's no reason. I just couldn't see any reason when people were talking about, oh, this spells the end for Lucha and blah, blah. I was like, there's, there's absolutely no reason that I yeah. could see that. There is a better reason 
for this hiatus and what's going on. So, but then I got to ask you the next logical question, because this is the part that's probably kicking you in the pants daily now is man, what do you do about your crew and, and this, this not taping now thing? Because I know you had a lot of guys expecting, you know, a meal and a paycheck to come yeah. and shoot some more fun wrestling show. So what do you, you do? Know, with that? Yeah, it's, it's kind of, you know, the, the rub is, there's always a rub, right? You know, we, the fact that we, we shot two consecutive seasons, season two and three, uh, a year ago, we were sort of in the middle of it. Um, uh, we were right in a year ago. Right now we were finishing up season two and then we took a month off and then we started in March on season three. So guys were getting paid from like November, October, pretty solidly all the way through June. Um, and, you know, we were taping a lot of episodes. So guys were walking out of the, the temple with fat checks, which, you know, I'm grateful for and happy to do it. Um, so, yeah, it hurts. It hurts the production team. I mean, you know, it, it, there was a lot of people who, um, you know, who work on Big Brother who wanted to get the season done before they had to go report on Big Brother. Um, there are people that work on a lot of other different shows. That is a little disruptive, but man, that's just part of TV. That's part of uh, the, that's when you're a, um, a freelancer and you, and you are bopping around, you know, these are the kind of curveballs that they throw at you. I do feel that um, we owe it to El Rey to be a supportive partner. And, and, and uh, you know, people are, are mad and people, fans, a lot of fans are saying, you know, I won't watch El Rey anymore while Lucha Underground is off. Well, that's kind of the absolute wrong response. You know, we want El Rey to succeed. You know, we don't succeed unless El Rey succeeds. So I hope people watch El Rey every day. I, I, I hope the Five Finger Flying Fist movie marathon is, uh, you know, out drawing the voice every week. You know, we... <laughs> I don't think it will, but it would be nice if it did. Um, well, so, I mean, I was I was live tweeting the reruns because I hadn't seen some of those in ages from the first season. And I know DJ was up there po posting Lucha yeah. facts and fun stuff. I even filled out one of those El Rey uh, the survey today, which was hilarious. It was awesome. They were talking about like people that you want to see on the network. And, and I can tell they're doing this because they're trying to figure out what else to do with the network. Um, sure. So they're asking their fans and people who have signed up on, on the El Rey website. And it was great. It was like, do you want to see Randall Tex Cobb stuff? Do you want to see yeah, Edward James Olmos? Do you yeah, Randall Tex Cobb was the on the list. Biker of the apocalypse, man. Bring I was just out. like, and that, that was what yeah. made me realize how much I love El Rey. Because I was like, dude, these are great suggestions. I don't know what they're thinking of doing with these or if they're just trying to get a sample of, of how crazy their fans' tastes are. But they got a, a dose of it for me. It was like... Yeah, I don't want to see, uh, you know, Oprah Winfrey stuff. I, I want to see Randall Tex Cobb and Sonny Chiba's on there, like all sorts of great stuff. It's so, got to be one of the biggest challenges in the, in the entertainment industry today to launch a, t a television network, um, I, you know, a brand new one uh, with all the other things that are out there and all the other, um, you know, modes of delivery for, for programming content. You know, it, it's expensive. It's a lot of trial and error. It's a lot of trying to figure it out. And, you know, we're, we're, we're really hopeful that uh, there's a lot of really smart people who work at El Rey, and we're really hopeful that um, they will have the right answers at the right time. Well, hey, tell them to buy my, my car build show that I'm pitching around at Real Screen, or my partner's out there pitching at Real Screen. Tell them to buy that. Since yeah, man, I want, to, I want to pitch them. I've got ideas, too, I want to pitch them, but they're too weird. They're too out there. <laughs> well, my car build show is absolutely not weird. It's just got a cool little take. I'll, I'll send you it. You'll, you'll see. All right. Um, All right. Um, but so, so here's the other question I want to ask. There was a little bit of news going around that uh, Dorian is now the I don't, general manager of the LLC. Yeah, taking over the day-to-day. -day. 
anything? Does that change anything? Because people were throwing around speculations about that too. And I was just like, no, that's probably good. That means there's one guy who's going to be able to pick up the phone and answer questions from that side of this three headed monster. Yes. I, and I, and I kind of think that that is uh, a good thing. I, I know it's a good thing. Um, I think that, um, you know, what the signal that that sends is that the LLC is starting to shift their focus um, from the TV show to getting involved in touring, things like that. And, and that's really, you know, what Dorian is an expert on. You know, he, he was raised with the touring, you know, wrestling Lucha Libre show. So, you know, there's nobody who is involved in this project who knows more about touring than Dorian. Um, so I think that that's the new focus. I think him being in that seat uh, removes it from an entertainment sort of uh, perspective or a television perspective into a more pure wrestling perspective, and a lot of decisions could be made. You know, we, we, we there is some big announcements coming. I'm not going to blow uh, any of them, but but there's. Well, you some know, stuff I'm going to ask about Netflix. I mean, you can you can no comment on it right now, but you know, I'm going to ask, right? I, I'm going to no comment on it, but but I would tell you that uh, um, I, I would tell you that there's some good announcements that fans will be happy about um, soon. And um, I think that there's some things beyond that. I think we're looking at doing, um, you know, helping our guys, uh, you know, licensing our IP to some of the indie promotions. We're, we're talking about doing a lot of different things that will kind of help get our guy. You know, my concern, you know, obviously keeping the show on the air and working is that, you know, you want happy talent, you want happy uh, um, people. And so if there's something we can do from the LLC level to allow guys to use their uh, Lucha Underground gimmicks on the indies, we need to be a little more generous with that. We need to come up with ways that, um, you know, we could even put on, you know, smaller, uh, you know, Lucha Underground packages and farm them out and travel them and go, because now, you know, we're getting a lot of interest in Europe and internationally. We're, we're, we're catching on in some places and it, it makes sense. You know, we're not going to, we're not going to promote those shows in Germany or, or, or in England, but there are, you know, reputable, promoters that we could work with who could potentially take a, a, a bunch of our guys and, and put some shows on. So I think um, the, the Dorian stuff is great. It's really good news. And I think it'll be good news for our talent. Um, um, the focus will then be on uh, live events and things like that, um, you know, during this sort of downtime. Which is awesome. I mean, and we've all been kind of hoping that that could come together. And I know a lot of people don't understand that. And, and we've talked about it on this show before, and I've tried to explain it from my limited perspective of why those things weren't happening. And I've even talked to some talent when I've tried to calm them down, like, dude, bro, I swear to God, I guarantee you they're working on something, you know? Yeah. I don't, I, and honestly, I don't blame them for, for, for being upset. I'm upset about it, man. I, I mean, you know, uh, intellectually it's like, yeah, I got nothing to do now. I, I carved out, uh, uh, you know, this, this little window of time here, uh, February, Mar I, like I was thinking we would be, you know, but it's not like they, they pulled a switcheroo on us. It was never announced. You know, they, they didn't, El Ray didn't green light it and say, oh, you're going to do it then. We, like, it's never been that way. We were just all kind of hoping. And, uh, you know, in wrestling, you know, you always want to draw conclusions and plan three steps ahead. And we'd all kind of looked at this period of time as the time when it made the most sense to shoot it. But, you know, it's more important that the that the mothership survives, you know, so well, um, and survives and thrives, too. I mean, we want to see yeah. 12, 14, 20 seasons of this thing. So here it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't matter if we shoot season four, if, if El Rey's not, you know, not broadcasting for season five. You know, we need to 
we we need to do what we can to be a good partner to LRA because they've been fantastic to us. Yeah, and and people are going networks go away, man. Esquire went away yesterday. Like yeah. <laughs> like that that caught really? me off guard. I was talking about Literally, trying to pitch my show there. But they rebranded it, didn't they? No, they're they're talking to going digital. NBC Universal said because of the the issues with DirecTV deal and that you know their their other woes trying to package that channel up and get the carriage fees that they want for it that they're just going to go to digital. Wow. They yeah, I mean that's huge. That's couldn't that's, figure it. They, you know they couldn't find an identity, and that's one of the hardest things I think for new channels to do. Yeah, and I liked it as G4, but at the same time, I mean, you know, El Rey's got to see stuff like that too and be like, okay, we don't want that to happen. And right. they're not NBC Universal. They don't have 20 other networks that they can just drop one and be like, ah, eh, whatever, forget it. But yeah, yeah, El Rey, you can watch and you know what that network is. Esquire, you're kind of like, what is this? You know, I know it used to be G4. Where's Attack of the Show at? You know? Right. Yeah, exactly. So I know, yeah, they, they've, they've done. Um, what I was going to say is, uh, so what about live tapings? Like, you know, is, is Roach going to get done with Big Brother in time? Are we talking fall, summer? Like, when can I we come see talking, live I, again? I, I, I got t-shirts sitting here for you, man. I got three shirts yeah, for you, Roach and DJ. I know. I, I like, believe like, me. Right I'm, here, I was going to bring them to you personally. You don't have to send me an address where I can mail you this, but this was a bag for you guys. I've spent so much time with my wife and kids in the last three months. I got to get out of the house once in a while. You know? <laughs> I, I, I got to get to Boyle Heights and hang out. You know? <laughs> yeah, for reals. <laughs> you know, I'm going a little stir crazy to be honest, but, but uh, uh, um, you, you know, I, I, I want to do something. I want to get going. I, I do miss it. Uh, it's likely to be the fall would be my best guess. Okay. We'll take your best guess. I'll, I'll, you know, I, I have to find stuff to fill my every other weekend for spring now. Thanks a lot. But, you know, I guess I can leave some time open. Like we got guys from Brave and other promotions trying to get us to come down to San Diego and see shows and stuff since we can't get our fix in Boyle Heights right now. Uh, you know, look, I, I, think, I do think that there's going to be some um, uh, events that, that, that we will do in the spring and in the early summer. I feel very confident that I will see you guys in person before summertime. Awesome. Okay. Love it. Okay. Sounds good. Might save me. me, might save me some postage on these shirts. Yeah. Um, hey Byron, <laughs> did, you, did you, did you invite Mr. Roach? You, okay. You want them in person. You'll get them. Byron, yes. did you invite Mr. Roach? Cause look, we have uh, we had planned to have CM on today. Mr. Chris Roach. Yeah. I, it's like the old Johnny Carson show. I showed up and bounced him out. <laughs> the, the couch. Well, I also, I didn't want I didn't want to have you come in after him or in the middle of him either, because I definitely want to talk to, to Chris Roach and for anybody <laughs> who's watching this, just to hear what Evie Dub has to say about Lucha Underground, stick around for Chris Roach because He's another guy who is a, a font of information about not only reality TV, but Lucha Underground. So we have more awesome. Hey, We're going to talk content. a lot of He-Man. We are so going to get to some He-Man tonight. Everyone thinks we're bullshitting about that. Roach is a I, smart, funny guy who knows a lot about He-Man. And, and Roach and DJ and I were on a epically funny uh, e uh, text chain today that I will have share with you at another time, but not today. <laughs> And I hear you have a uh, uh, Lieutenant Hottier, who whatever you guys call her next yeah. week, or, or um, uh, what's her name, Vasquez. Yeah, Captain Vasquez. I think we have her for next week. Justin just yes. told it. Yes, I'm sorry, my uh, my internet glitched again. Yeah, Carmen Perez, she's gonna come on next week. We're very very excited. Yeah. I have so many. Uh, when was the last time a hot girl was on the Masked Mats and Mayhem show? 
Um, last time Byron dressed in drag, <laughs> and it wasn't very hot. <laughs> well, then this is the first. He's officially the first hot chick on your show. I'm I'm proud of you guys. You're all grown up. <laughs> yeah, wait, Byron, are you just sending the invite? How slow are you, man? Where's Roach? I was gonna let Evie Dub say hi to Roach and tell him what not to say on the show so that he doesn't it. screw up. This is see, we left we left Roach and Byron in charge of doing technical things, and that was probably a huge mistake on me and Casey's part. If you got me on it, you can get anybody on it. Trust He's me. Watching. Oh, did he, did he oh no, DJ DJ was officially the hardest one to get on. Really? Yeah, he was all yeah. the time. Press the right uh, link or whatever on this phone. But then again, I put Byron in charge of it. So Byron and DJ uh, clustered it up for a solid 35 minutes, I think, before they worked it out. Uh, oh, good. I don't feel so bad. Five different times. I wasn't on that week to save the show either. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's the only reason he came on. That's what he told me. Yeah, he didn't want to give me sh me giving him shit about Sexy Star winning the belt. That was that night. Uh -oh. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. He, he, you owe him that. Yeah, that's. Oh, I'm gonna stick around and watch that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that was epic that night too. I mean, that was the reason why we were trying to get DJ on because it was like, dude, this is this is the moment, make or break. How's DJ feeling right now? And uh, DJ was was cheersing himself a little bit, and he, <laughs> he was definitely uh, very in a in a very jovial mood. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. He. <laughs> It was half in the bag, as they say. <laughs> and I was just tearing my hair out studying for teaching exams, but I passed. Woo! I thought they didn't let you within 50 yards of public schools. Oh, let's not tell people that. They're internet no, courses. They got to Google that themselves. They're internet courses. He has to use a different name. Byron Turk. Byron, have you still not figured out how to how to get Roach on the show? Oh, no. I thought you guys did a technical test earlier and everything. This is hilarious. No, no, the webcam works, but the I'm I'm sending him all the links and everything. You edit all this shit out anyway before you post it, right? What? No, it's live. They, these guys. Oh. oh, oh, I see him. Hey. I see him. Oh my god. Hey. Hey. What's up? Byron actually accomplished something. Look, <laughs> welcome to the show. Stuff. The infamous Christopher Roach. By the way, this this on? is exactly like being on a talk show and being bumped for a more important guest. <laughs> 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 Sorry, Mr. Mr. Hanks is running a little long tonight. We'll have him back in a month. <laughs> I'm such a jerk, too, because Byron was like, dude, we got to tell Roach if Evie Dub's going to come on. That's so rude to not tell him. I'm like, don't tell him. It's fine. Don't tell yeah, him. In fairness to me, Roach, they didn't tell me that you were slated. I would have never accepted the uh, advice. Thank you. <laughs> And see, and that's why we couldn't tell either of you guys because we knew one, one both of you probably would have canceled then like, no, no, let him have the time or I don't want to be on the same show with that guy. Yeah. To... Uh, don't worry, Chris. I said all the stuff that will get me fired so you don't have to. Yeah, I know. I was listening. As long as I wasn't bumped for like Vinny Massaro or Bale, I, I'm fine. <laughs> that almost happened. No, Vinny, Vinny was talking shit on us earlier. Vinny was like, no, they're just going to talk about He-Man and women's MMA. This right now, you guys like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love Vinny. They're comes down in the YouTube channel now. Oh, they're all from Vinny. They're from <laughs> <laughs> Vinny's mad. We have to have Vinny back on the show soon. Um, yeah. All right, guys. Well, I'm gonna hang up and go beat my children. All right. So all there's right. nothing. There's nothing that Chris uh, is off limits to talk about here. 
No, Chris. Tell, you got any instructions for him? Stories of Big Brother. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk secret Netflix deals. And Chris, I didn't tell them. Don't talk about our um, text exchange. epic text exchange. <laughs> I, will not, I, will, I will not. I will not say what that's about. <laughs> I, I'm smart Very enough. I, I'm smart enough to know what to say and what not to say. Okay, good, good. You'll have to deal with the fallout. All right. Um, all right, guys. Awesome, Roach. Good to see you, brother. How's you everything? Too, man. It's good. Just uh, waiting for the baby. I know. <laughs> Well, your life will never be the when is it when is the due date actually? Uh April eighth. Oh wow. Perfect. Wow. All right. Congratulations. Yes, thank you. Congratulations. Good. Yes. All right, guys. So next time I watch Lucha Underground, I'll have another member of the family. Uh, one more one more viewer. Yes. Hopefully they'll count plus three plus seven. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks, buddy. See you guys. Bye. Yeah. Thank you. What's up, guys? Hey. Well, I mean, you know, just trying to figure out the whole Lucha Underground thing with, with the boss man. Yeah, I was, li- I was listening. Just just minor little tiny stuff. Nothing major going on. No no inaugurations or, you know. Yeah. Cra- I mean, I feel, I honestly, I, I feel a little bit for EV Dub. Um, I, like, I, you're in a much more enviable place, which is hilarious to say because your other show has got to be a nightmare, which we'll talk about <laughs> It can be stressful, yes. Uh, doing Big Brother and Lucha Underground at the same time, how that uh, works out? Uh, well, I've been lucky that for the most part, like the bulk of shooting Lucha seasons one, two, and three were usually when I was on hiatus from Big Brother. Mm-hmm. There, there's been some overlap uh, as far as like doing creative with DJ. Yeah. But I, lo- I love Lucha Underground so much that I was willing to spend my nights and one day off working on it. Good gracious! Cool. Yeah, it's, it's uh, you have to you have to you have to love something, and I do love Lucha Underground. Well, you know, I I've had other friends who who've worked on the show. Uh, I don't know if you know Natalia Schneider, but you know, I talked to her once about her brief stint on Big Brother, and she kind of explained to me the like the three different crews working on different episodes and uh, like. Yeah the round the clock kind of atmosphere and, and how exhilarating and exciting it is on yeah. one hand, but at the same time, you're talking big pressure, millions of dollars, network show. You have no clue what these people are going to do. You're hoping for interactions and you're culling through hours of footage to get this awesome show. And, and uh, I mean, it, it's like the, it's the Super Bowl of reality TV. It, basically. It, wow. Well, thank you. <laughs> it's crazy. It is. Uh, it's um, you never know. You have no idea what the show is going to be two days before it airs, but it always airs. And it's a, and we have a very well-oiled machine and everyone who works on the show is awesome and, and does whatever job they have well and all the pieces fit. I, I worked, I worked on that show a long time ago. I remember there was, there was a room full of bunk beds where everyone. Came. Oh yeah. No, that's gone. Yeah. That was, oh, it yeah, yeah. They, oh. They converted that, but yeah, that was when I first started. What seasons did you work on it? I did six, you and did, then okay. I had friends who won a few more seasons after that. Yeah, that was before me. I started on eight, and I think it was still there a couple seasons. And when I heard about that, I was like, "Oh my god, this yeah. show is going to be horrible." But I'm so still, no, I'm still here. 
what, what, who was in season eight? You have to remind me because I've seen every season and I have no clue what season, season eight, was. eight was. Evil Dick won it. It was uh, oh. Evil Dick and his daughter Danielle were the final two. So that was the time he came back then, right? No, that was his first time. That was the first run. That was the first yep. run. Okay. Yep. And uh, I think the first season that I watched because I didn't watch. I wasn't initially a Big Brother fan, and then my my stepbrother was like, dude, you got to check out the show. And I was like, come on, man. Are you serious? Like, it's a bunch of people in a hot tub or something stupid, right? Yeah. And he's like, no, no, you got to watch it. And I think um, I think the first season that Jesse was on was the first one I watched. Or maybe it was his second season. I don't know. It was one of the ones with Jesse, and I watched it, and I was just like, this is amazing. And I was always a Survivor fan. And then yeah. after that, I went back and rewatched. Um, I downloaded the first four seasons and watched them all wow. in two weeks. That is commitment. It, it might be insanity. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know. I'm EP of the show and I still haven't seen some of the early seasons. So uh, I give you credit. <laughs> well, but see now I don't watch all the live feeds or everything. You know, I, yeah. I, I watch after dark sometimes, Yeah. Um, but you know, I, being a reality producer myself and also not really doing that kind of reality TV. Um, I find it extremely compelling and interesting just to see and, and on survivor as well how things are going to play out with these people because you put all this time and effort into casting and you and you just you're hoping you're crossing your fingers that the yeah. casting worked and that these people are going to interact in a, in a way that yeah. gives you plot lines and gives you drama and excitement and uh, dude me and byron both we're reality producers but we don't have to deal with what you have to deal with of, of trying to get you know, network levels of excitement for three shows a week, plus after dark and live feeds yeah. and all that crap. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a testament to the Big Brother format. The format works so well that a each season feels different. You know, the the alliances in the house, the personalities that emerge are different every season, and we always are able to make three shows. And I, I would say they're usually pretty interesting. I mean, the A, just I think the stress of being locked in that house, I think it's way more stressful than than the viewers realize. I mean, way more stressful than I even realize. I mean, when, when they come out of there, they just, every single one of them will say, it's way harder than I thought. Well, they get uh, blocked out from the real world when they're in there, right? You can't even totally. get paper to write down. Anything. Yeah, nothing, totally cut off. They don't, they don't see anybody not even people on staff yeah. they they just hear voices the rats in the walls yes <laughs> yeah i mean and so so that is stressful and then the gameplay i think just works so well with you know someone new getting power every week uh the opportunity with the veto to save yourself it's just it's just formatted so well to create drama and and make for an interesting game i mean i think the game like survivor would be interesting enough even without sort of the crazy personalities and, and everyone, you know, showing their best sides and worst sides in there over the summer. Yeah. It, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a boiler room template of, you know, it's, it's the old comedy writing cliche of put two characters in an elevator and see what happens. Kind yeah. Of thing. And yeah. And it, and it works amazingly. Yeah. Um, but now big brother over the top, you guys didn't have to do three episodes, right? I finally, I finally watched that whole season. I finally yeah. got the CBS app, even though of course the day after I get it, they tell me that star Trek is bumped again. Yeah, I know. Bummer. I know that was, but I, that was originally that, supposed that to be actually, out in January. 
Yeah, well, that also brought me to another question for you. Is like, are they going to ask for more BBOTT to to fill the void? Uh, well, hopefully not before the next summer episode because I'm not ready to go back to work on Big Brother yet. Um, <laughs> exactly. But you know, I, I like doing it in the fall, and it'd be great if it if it came back again. I I, I don't know yet if it will or not, but uh, you know, it it was fun. It was it was different than the regular show, but. Um, the, the basic elements of what make the show work, the gameplay and just the personalities, I think, I think made it a, uh, a fun season. Um, and yeah, we have one, the, the way it worked was there's one, if you're watching on VOD, there was one major uh, episode a week, which covers everything and people can watch that. And there was a weekly episode. Uh, we were also doing like a 10 minute daily recap on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. But if you watch the full episodes on VOD, you don't really need to watch those shorter recaps unless you're very hardcore. Oh, so with with Big Brother Over the Top, uh, yeah, I, I, so I was getting kind of that, that format. I, I have to say, I really liked it because I felt like, in a lot of regards, other than the America stuff, that it really kind of got back to a truer form of the game in a lot of ways. And then you had the one new element of the America's choices that were being thrown in that the players yeah. kind of had to... to you know, compensate for. And that definitely threw some monkey wrench yeah. to the game. I think without that, the game obviously would have been very, very different. But I liked, I, I liked the simplicity of it, um, <laughs> you know, in a lot of ways. And I thought that it was a good addition. Like if you're going to have this extra version of BB to have kind of that new gameplay of, of kind of going more traditional old school with the rules. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, I think it, I think we had, it had to be somewhat different because we were just coming off a of summer season over the top. I mean, now you can watch it on VOD, but it, it started uh, one week after uh, the summer season ended. So, you know, we wanted to feel different and, uh, and give the viewers uh, something new because they just sat through three months of Big Brother. So if they were going to uh, give us another two months of their time, we wanted to uh, give them something, a different experience, which which I, I think was fun. And, and you know, the, the house was totally divided in a way I've never seen uh, since I've been working there. Um, and it, it, was, it was very unique and, and I'm glad we got the chance to do it. I completely agree. So I have to ask you this now. Yeah. Now you're an executive producer on on these shows, correct? On Big Brother, yeah, yeah, and yes. over the top, yeah. So, so, but you weren't always. So, how did you get there? You know, especially for guys like me and Byron who want to know these things. Like, how did how did, did you make the move up? Did you come story producer side and editing, or yeah. did you come I, field side, or what? What was your how? What was your trajectory to get to be the the man on or one of the men? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Big Brother. Uh, well, I started in, in story. Um, so my first job at Big Brother was a senior story producer. Um, and I got lucky in a sense because, you know, I came into Big Brother and I had I hadn't even seen the show when they hired me. Um, but I, I did pretty well my first season. And they, they had a lot of people there um, who were uh, who had been there a long time. Um, but at that at that point in time, a lot of them would do Hell's Kitchen in the off season, which I wasn't doing. And then there was the writer strike that year between seasons eight and nine. Um, so they did a winter season of Big Brother, the only time they've ever done that. I don't know if you you might have gone back and watched it, it season nine. Uh, it's one uh, of my favorites because um, oh gosh, there was a lot of hot tub action in that season. 
Yes. So I really liked that season. And there was a lot of massages in the secret room and all that stuff. I remember that season very well. Yeah. Yeah. It's the season we're all ashamed of, but I'm glad that that you enjoyed it. Um, So because they, they sprung that season on, on, on the network decided, well, we have a writer's strike. We're going to do this. And a lot of their normal people were at Hell's Kitchen. I got the opportunity to run one of the story teams. Um, and I did a good job. And then just through the years, I, I kept getting promoted until I made it to EP. So basically you're saying that we just kind of have to wait until Stolman dies and then one of us can get his job. Yeah, Stolman's not in line for any promotions, so he, that's not the best route to take. Breaking news. <laughs> Big news, if true. Yeah. Right there. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think everything, I mean, I don't know if there's any answer to how, how, I, got, how I got to be EP. I mean, I think, you know, there's always some luck involved, but I also think it's just, I did the job well and always made sure I did the job well and always made sure people knew I was interested in having more responsibility. And, you know, they kept giving it to me. So, well then how, let's go back a little bit further than that. Even how did you, how did you get started in reality TV at all? I mean, was it through the the wrestling stuff or was there other stuff that, that brought you to the TV world in general? Well, I, I went to film school and I wanted to, I wanted to be a screenwriter and I moved to, I moved to LA when I was 22. I didn't know anyone. And then I, after a long time of not finding any work, uh, like, or having very low paid work, uh, I got in with this company uh, that makes reality TV and I was a PA on a couple shows. And then they made me an assistant story on a, on a show. And I sort of worked my way up through them to become a, a story person. Um, and then I, I took a hiatus from reality when I got at the time a dream job, which was writing for WWE. Um, but then when I came back to LA, I, you know, I'd already, you know, built a resume and uh, kept at it. Well, so, which is, I mean, I guess that's the way to do it. I mean, perseverance, I think, as all of us know, um, is really a lot of the the whole business. It's being prepared for luck and being yes. around when luck happens and yes. having the skill to deal with the luck, but you still got to get lucky and you still got to stick around long enough to get lucky. Yes. Yeah. I, I also think it's important, like, you know, now on Big Brother, for instance, I'm in a position of hiring people or having a say in who gets promoted and, and what. And, I, you know, I think it's important to let people know when you want to, be promoted or, or do, do the job that's above the current job you're at. You know, I, I was, I was never, you know, brash about, I was never like, I should, I should have that job. But I'd always say, listen, if the opportunity ever came up, I would like a shot at that. Even if it takes, you know, even if you can't give it to me now, if the opportunity comes up in a year, I'd like to do it. And just like having people know that, uh, I think it's important. I, I mean, I encourage that for everyone. Like if there's a, if there's a different job you want, let people know, you know, that's uh that bit of ambition, I think goes a long way. Oftentimes you'll get people who want stuff sort of handed to them 
Yeah. Yeah, Byron, how did you get anywhere? I didn't know you had ambition. I, well, <laughs> I, got, I got places by, um, by that very same thing. Wait, I, you can't say that. You can't say that. There might be kids listening. Don't tell us how you I got, got places. Yeah. I'll just do the hand motion. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, E-pads and... Um, no, uh, well, I had an acting directing class in college, which was my most important class I took, where um, basically the most important thing I learned was the interview where you just you're confident and you always say yes to accepting challenges and responsibility. And that kind of carried me a long way. And uh, the show I worked on with Justin, um, I just I you're lucky I didn't fire you. Yes, we know. <laughs> I, uh, there are, well, I was actually replacing someone who got fired before the show was, show was even up and running. I know, and he looked just like you, so I never liked you. So you couldn't see so that. You probably thought I was still that guy. You can't no, I didn't at all. Uh, Byron, you were a godsend on that show. This is the only nice thing I'm ever going to say to you, so appreciate it now. That was, that was probably the only time we got along. But, you know, it's, it's just, it, it's, it was one of those shows, though, where, where what's really benefited me is I've taken that into shows that are hard and people don't want to do and they're kind of miserable and so we did a tow truck show in the snow and rain and no one wanted to try hard so i tried as hard as i could and the justin yeah. kind of noticed and he still talks to me now and he's actually <laughs> work on other shows so luckily luckily for you yeah just barely for you though but i still talk to you yeah. Um, but you'll ne I, I'm, I'm always amazed how there's always people that are willing to do the bare minimum. And so then when you are that person who will go the extra mile, even though that might seem like the natural thing to do, you, you can easily stand out. Yeah. I mean, you just want to, you want to work with people that you want to work, that you like working with, regardless if, if you like them personally, but if you can count on them, yeah. if you could just tolerate being around them 16 hours a day. It makes a big difference. Moderation yeah. is a, goes a long way for sure. <laughs> yeah, I feel that way about Big Brother and Lucha Underground. It's you know I'm surrounded by a lot of people that I like hanging out with, which makes makes going to work that much better. Mm -hmm. um, well, so speaking of going to work with people that you like, uh -huh. the, the WWE years where you. Uh, obviously you met DJ there, right? Like, yes. what, what was it like working there? And I've heard DJ kind of tell the story a little bit, but, but what was your perspective? Like, what were you doing at WWE and, and how did you, you know, hook up with DJ to the point where you guys would take on an adventure like Lucha Underground together? Well, you know, I was, I was at WWE a, a fairly short time, um, about six months. And, uh, it was, you know, I, I, I lived in LA at the time and I applied online and then I randomly kept getting emails back and they were asking, you know, for me to write a, to write a storyline. And then I wouldn't hear from them from them for three months. And then I'd get another one. Hey, write another storyline. And then, and then they flew me out there and I interviewed with Stephanie. I was like, wow, this is crazy. Like this might actually happen. And then, and then they hired me for the writing team and it, you know, they hired me and they're like, all right, you need to start next week. Um, which, which was nuts, but you know, it was, it was awesome because they put me up in a furnished apartment in Connecticut. Um, and it was kind of like, I went to wrestling summer camp for a few months, um, because I got to be part of the writing team. And I think I was there, uh, at a great time. You know, I was on, when I was there, it was a, 
there was a Raw writing team and a SmackDown writing team. Um, a, the SmackDown writing team had Dusty Rhodes and Ted DiBiase, which was like insane. That I'm like, wow, I'm going to the office with the Million Dollar Man and the American <laughs> Dream. Uh-huh. Like as someone yeah, that's who awesome. as someone who grew up, you know, I was a huge fan of WWF. It was like. I remember the, my first day, like we all went to the cafeteria and I'm like there with Dusty Rhodes and I'm like so nervous. I'm like, I can't believe I'm eating lunch with Dusty Rhodes. This is nuts. Um, so that was cool. But I was on the raw writing team, uh, which Brian Gewertz led and uh, Michael P.S. Hayes was on. And then a guy named Ed Kosky, uh, who's still there. And then me and then DJ was the writer's assistant. And DJ and I clicked instantly. Uh, he had already been there, I think, about a year. Maybe he had been on the writing team about six months. I can't exactly remember. Um, but he, A, was awesome because he, would, he sort of helped teach me the ropes very quickly. Um, and B, early on, they, were, they had a, you know, a small tour of England, I think, they were shooting Raw and SmackDown over there. Um, I didn't get to go because I had just been hired and DJ didn't get to go either. So DJ and I for like a week were in the office just by ourselves. And we started coming up with crazy WWE storylines. And we, and we just clicked and we like immediately worked well together. And, uh, you know, none of those made air on WWE. <laughs> but it was it was the beginning of the sort of working relationship that would become Lucha Underground 10 years later. That's, I mean, and uh, I guess that's just kind of how it works. I mean, it's part of why you, you even see me and Byron sitting here together yeah. right now is you get on something with somebody that you click with. And with me and Byron, uh, we have a birthday on the same day. So we fight over it every year of who gets to claim <laughs> the birthday. <laughs> and it's just a bonding experience. It's like two guys fighting in the street. You know, if you're going to do that every year, you know, you've got this common ground of, of you know, a brown guy kicking a ginger's ass every year so we just kind of clicked after that yeah but see you also told me you gave me the secret that you're a part ginger too so that is totally a secret man no spoilers no, no spoilers, spoilers. birthday <laughs> secrets so just remember when when's your birthday it's uh, march 1st our sh- oh. it's my birthday i get to say i won last time didn't i damn it you son of a bitch oh. facebook comments sing you I'm March seventh, so same, oh, same week. Now, where are you originally from? You're you're a New York guy, Ro- Rochester guy, yeah, is that right? Rochester, New York, is where I'm originally from. Um, yeah, I grew up there. I uh, was a lifelong wrestling fan. I went to school in Chicago and then moved out to LA. So we so have to cover all that stuff too, because eventually somebody's going to like take some of this to McAfee or something later, or you yeah. know. <laughs> so we got to cover some of that pretty stuff here right now. So, so Chris, as a yeah. kid, who was your favorite wrestler growing up? Um, I would say, man, I I liked a lot. I mean, when I first got into it, I mean, maybe it, I love Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. Like, um, I don't know, maybe Mr. Perfect. I, I always sort. I always was a fan as opposed to like, there wasn't like one guy, you know, I wasn't like that kid that was ultimate warrior Hulk Hogan all the way. But I, I would say like, I was always kind of a fan of whoever was like intercontinental champion. Like, yeah. like one of the first, I went to like a uh, uh, superstars taping and 
uh, I saw, I think Mr. Perfect win it back from the Texas tornado, Carrie Von Eric, and I loved Mr. Perfect. And then I loved Bret Hart and, and Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon and all those kind of guys. Nice. nice. Those yeah, are solid choices. Wait, you didn't say Undertaker, so Casey's probably mad now. I'm a, I'm a little hurt on the inside that you didn't say Undertaker well, because he's fine. But. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you something about Undertaker, though, Casey. I, that Superstars taping I went to, I'm convinced I saw the real debut of The Undertaker because it was right before Survivor Series 1990, and they were like filming, they filmed, you know, in those days, like five episodes at one taping yeah. and Undertaker had a squash match. And I remember me and my dad were like, whoa, who is this guy? This guy's amazing. But he hadn't debuted yet on Survivor Series because it was going to air after Survivor Series. You know how you can know if that was the very first one? Did they announce him as Kane the Undertaker? Because if they did, that was it for sure. Uh, well, I was... 10 or 11 and i do not remember that small detail but yeah i know he i know that was his original name so uh, casey that, actually remembers stuff from when he was 10 or 12 if it relates to wrestling yeah, yeah. <laughs> i still remember episodes of the rock and wrestling cartoon and i haven't watched that since i was like five years old so yeah man i remember that but i was also like 12 at the time yeah. so <laughs> i have a reason to i'm a little a little older than you guys I think. um okay so look all of our fans, they love when we do this. We, we string them along. We talk to, to awesome people about all the stuff that we like about them. But you know, everybody listening to this show, is they're, they're the Lucha Underground fans. Yes, they're the believers of Lucha Click. Um, so DJ was putting you over yesterday uh-huh. that, that you are actually one of the people that has come up with a lot of these ideas. Uh-huh. Contrary to popular belief that he comes up with everything and he's the mastermind behind everything. So... Now's your ta- chance to take credit for something big at Lucha Underground. What is what is your biggest, one biggest thing that you think that you added so far to Lucha Underground? Well, first of all, I don't want to take anything away from DJ because he is a genius. But I think DJ would also admit Agreed. that he, he and I, I mean, I've come up with a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, it's not like, it's not like, you know, DJ is very much a team player. Um, and you know, it's not like he's sitting there coming up with the whole universe and then telling us to, to script scenes, you know, we all, we all sit together and come up with everything together. Um, but, but you want me to, one thing that I, I can take credit for. I mean, what's, I mean, what's the, the, uh, let's say the, the thing that you're most proud of that, you know, that you really brought to the table uh, from, from the stuff we've already seen. Cause I know there's right, some good yeah. stuff that I haven't even seen that's in the can and some stuff you guys have probably yeah. already written. Yeah. Um, I would say one thing that I'll take credit for, uh, was the whole Angelico Evely son of habit coming together and winning the trios titles. Oh, awesome. Um, well played. That well was played. Really great. <laughs> um, yeah, I, um, uh, we, you know, it was my, it was my idea, you know, originally to sort of have them sort of feuding with each other. And then we were going to do a trios tournament. I, you know, I said, it'd be funny if Dario made them a team. Uh, and then, you know, without getting into too many spoilers, our original idea was not for them to win the trios tournament, but then I sort of saw how great it could be if they did and really push for it. And, and we did it. And, and I'm glad, cause I think that's, that was one of our best season one moments. 
I mean, yeah, it yeah. seems like a lot of a lot of the the great stuff in general has just kind of come from that with you guys, where <laughs> you planned one thing and then for one reason or another zigged or zagged, and thinking on your toes, you kind of pushed in another direction and just had fun with it. Like, is that a regular part of the process for you guys? Yeah, I would say. You know, there's some things that we. I mean, listen, we. Uh, we, you know, as DJ, I think said uh, yesterday, and wasn't one of his Lucha facts, like Matanza, like our, our first, you know, nine or 10 episodes up through the first Aztec war, uh, warfare, we completely changed. Originally, we were going to have Matanza debut at the original Aztec warfare. I'm so glad we didn't. Um, you would have been a different person then, right? Uh, yes, possibly. Yeah. I mean, we, I mean, uh, uh, originally he, he was going to be a different person. I mean, we, you know, uh, Jeff Cobb, who's Matanza, I think that's no secret. Um, uh, he's, you know, we had other ideas for him, but he, he was just a, such an awesome wrestler that, you know, we, we believed he could be the, the top guy, the champion. And also he, had sort of a different look than what you imagine. I think everyone sort of imagined Matanza was going to be like Kane. Um, and we wanted to do something a little different. Uh, he was a great a choice. Splatterhouse I mean, fan. Oh, as someone who grew up playing Splatterhouse for the Sega Genesis. Oh yeah. Immediately. And as a Jason Mark, I, I, I had to be on board. Yeah. We love the idea of the like, sort of like Michael Myers outfit and, and, yeah. and just, He's like a, I mean, technically he is a serial killer in our world. He's killed a lot of people. So Yeah. Well, and I wasn't there for the debut either. And Casey was just like, dude, you're not going to believe this shit. You're not yeah. going to believe how they brought in Cobb. And I was just like, what? Let, yeah. Let's see. I don't know. So, so that's, that's a good example of like, we, we've had a lot of, you know, we've, we've had to pivot a lot either um, a, because of an injury, we've had to change plans or, because of, um, you know, us just coming up with better ideas in the moment. Uh, but, you know, Matanza's debut, I think, I think sometime toward during season one or towards the end of it, we started mapping out like this idea of a, we love the idea of Phoenix winning the title and then being forced to enter Aztec warfare number one and defending the title. And then, we also just love the idea of Matanza debuting as like a surprise 21st entrant. And we didn't, and we stuck with that idea for a long time um, from the hiatus between one and two to filming it. And, and so that, you know, some ideas, if we think they're really good, we stick with them and, but we're never afraid to, to change ideas if we think there's something better. Okay, well, who who gets to take credit for the idea of bringing in A.R. Fox as Dante? Because uh, I'm a huge mark of his now from yes. you guys bringing him in. We all are. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, we can't uh, wait to see more of him. Yeah, he's yeah. he's awesome. Um, as my wife says, ladies love Dante Fox. Um, she can't. She came to a taping and she immediately was like. I love Dante Fox. <laughs> oh, you're nuts, man. I would never let my lady come to anything Dante Fox was doing. Oh, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've got some moves of my own in the bedroom, so I'm not All worried. right. <laughs> uh, no spoilers. Really no spoilers. That, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully it's not a Death Valley driver on the apron. No. Uh, yeah, um, that guy's crazy. Yeah, Dante Fox, I mean, I, 
I get. I mean, I'm sure it was DJ's idea. It was. I mean, I would say Matt Stolman. Uh, Matt Stolman and DJ much more than me uh, talk about outside talent. I would say those guys know more indie talent and outside talent than I do. So they definitely. I mean, they both wanted AR Fox since the beginning. Um, as far as making him Killshot's rival, I mean, I know. I mean, I don't want to like take, I, I'm pretty sure DJ probably was the one who said he should be Killshot's rival. I might've written that Killshot vignette where I planted the seed that he had some people left behind, but I can't a hundred percent remember. I'll see. And I've, and I've always wondered this too, because it was like every time we would come to a taping and see any one of you guys, you guys were all so happy, including EB dub about, the whole thing with them and where it was going. And like, I would see the look in Evie Dub's eyes, especially like, I can't tell you what we have planned today, but it's awesome. You're going to yeah. love it. Yeah. You know? I um, mean, and yeah. that was just fun for us too, to see you guys so excited about, you know, two performers and a storyline and an angle. And, and that made us more excited. <laughs> yeah. Cause yeah. we know you guys are excited. We know some crazy shit's going to go down. Yeah. Yeah. The great thing about Lucha Underground is, we, you know, we come up with our ideas and we get so excited for like what the matches are going to be. And then they're always, they're always so much cooler than we even admitted, imagine, you know what I mean? Like the first grave consequences with Mill and Phoenix, we thought it would be a cool casket match. We had no idea it was going to be like the greatest thing ever. We didn't know the casket match. Yeah. <laughs> pieces of phoenix phoenix's face over the audience right yeah <laughs> uh, that was the uh, i went to my first taping i went to was the one after that one and the audience was like still shell-shocked and i think there had been like a couple weeks between the tapings and they're like no dude you don't even know the craziest shit happened last time and i'm like oh my god i wish i was there a week earlier yeah i feel like that, that match after that <laughs> yeah, I, even though like Lucha Underground had a lot of cool stuff before that match, I feel like that match was when it was like, all right, now we're now this promotion's arriving as something that's like unlike anything people have seen before. I think it's the only casket match that doesn't have Shawn Michaels in it that was given like a high star rating by the critics out there uh, at that point. And it definitely deserved it. I yeah. really yeah. loved it. You know, uh, it was it was great. And I just loved uh, Mill sucking the blood out of Phoenix's head and spitting it on the cameraman. That was one of my favorite moments. Insane. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's when you really knew that that Lucha Underground wasn't messing around and that they were going to separate themselves from everyone else. You know, it was you had like the most hardcore action with one of the most strongest storylines um, yeah those two characters and it was like all this crazy stuff was happening but it all made sense and then of course you know just the um the pageantry around the whole thing too made it such a great bit of tv yeah and it wasn't like a cartoon like a lot of the casket matches were there was an aura that people are getting fucked up there's blood everywhere this is as hardcore as a casket match can be which is a match without fucking rules anyway but we've never seen it go there and now that we've seen it go there and we see it keep going there it's amazing yeah. but 
and as a writer, how, as a writer, how do you translate that from you and and DJ and Stolman or whoever's sitting in the room uh-huh. to to the ring? How do you take it from the paper to the ring? Well, well, I will say first of all, this is where this is where DJ. Uh, I mean, DJ is amazing in a room coming up with ideas, but he is so amazing, and and I think it's from years of. I don't know if it's studying Vince McMahon or it's just his natural ability. Like take that match, for instance, a DJ is so good at what the arena presence should be. He was the one that was like, you know, we should have like a day of the dead procession come out. Just like he said, for Aztec warfare, we should have, you know, Aztec dancers and everything. Um, He's so good with saying what the atmosphere should be. And then with the matches, you know, we will all go out there and we'll all, you know, we know what we want the ending to be. We know we want, uh, you know, for that, you know, we knew we wanted uh, Phoenix to win. We knew we wanted Katrina to throw the stone in the casket, but then DJ gets out there and, and he's so, he's a general, he's so inspiring. He says, I want this to be the best casket match I've ever seen. And when he says it, uh, they, they really want to deliver it, you know? And, and then, and then, you know, those guys and our agents uh, like Vampiro and Chavo and Paul London, uh, they all work, you know, they come up with stuff and, and the wrestlers are so amazing and so inventive and they, they just come up with so many ideas. And then, you know, they talk about them to us or DJ uh, about uh, what will make sense for the story we're trying to tell. And then it all, we sort of on the day, I'll come up with it and, um, everyone you know bringing their what they do best and like putting it in the pot and mixing it up and then it comes out and we're always pretty excited with how it comes out so it's like we you know come up with the foundation of the story the wrestlers not only perform but they come up with the move sets they they talk to the agent about uh you know what moves will work best when how we'll build climatically the ending and then it all you know then dj makes sure that it all fits together um and and becomes the perfect package okay so i've I've heard you guys say before in the past that um all the storylines are designed to end in the ring so Uh um is limo guy gonna wrestle one of these days well (laughs) you never know I can't. Uh, I know you can't really give a spoiler, but I mean, like, is that is that kind of the 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 theory behind these things? Is like you you create these awesome backstage stories. Like, do we see Captain Vasquez come to the ring, or or is she just sending? I mean, is she sending Ricky Reyes and other agents to the ring? Yeah. So is that the culmination of those stories? Like, uh, yeah. How's it I, work? Mean, I mean, I will I will say that yes, everything does end in the ring. Now, if that you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that. You know, Dario Cueto is one of the main characters, but it doesn't mean he's going to main event uh, Ultima Lucha. Um, but he will, his storyline will culminate somehow in the ring, whether, you know, whatever he's most invested in. You know, you, he his storyline of, of leaving the temple and then returning with his brother culminated in the ring, only it was his brother doing the, doing the ring work for him. Um, so... You know, I I don't know that we're ever going to have a match uh, with uh, Vasquez in one corner and the limo guy in another corner and uh, Delgado in another corner and Cueto in in the other. But uh, there 
their desires will be either fulfilled or taken ultimately in the ring. Mm. Now, but I, I will say this. We would just in case I'm sorry. We gotta we gotta pitch this. Lorenzo Lama's putting someone through a table. Like we really want to see it. Look, I just would love to see. I'd love to see Captain Vasquez and Councilman Delgado uh-huh. just valet one match. I'd love to see them both coming to the ring at some point in time. Maybe the two of them just get in a shouting match on the side. But it'd be awesome to have, you know, Carmen and Lorenzo Lamas yeah. ringside. Well, as the universe expands, anything's possible. Anything and everything like is possible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you have any limits on on how? far out the universe goes because now we're we're seeing scenes and like we're seeing scenes in basements and and like the, this club where there's dude we got we got a time traveler and lizard people how much more far out do you want it yeah, yeah. Are we don't forget the 200 year old 200 year old witches and you know the <laughs> undetermined length of time drago's been around um there's <laughs> it's going pretty deep how about who isn't under who isn't over 200 years old on the show, um, Joey Joey Ryan's not Joey Ryan's, Joey Ryan's not. <laughs> a lot of people aren't. Although Dave Meltzer and the Observer said no, no one's connecting to the sci-fi storyline. So maybe we need to uh, to back wow. off of those. Well, Dave Meltzer can They said that yeah, there was going to be a lot more sci-fi stuff after what season one. But I, I guess he didn't. Yeah. Notice that I'm still crap. waiting for those aliens, dude. Like he That's promised it. aliens. I, I always find it hypocritical when like wrestling fans, you know, say, you know, like Dave Meltzer, fine, that guy's very old school and, and, and likes things a certain way. But it's like WWE had uh, Papa Shango, you know, making people vomit uh, yeah. black blood and The Undertaker who, you know, I mean, WWE has gone very sci-fi in their days i think the only difference is is we try to make our sci-fi make sense in our world as opposed to as opposed to why is there a dentist and a garbage man having a match uh in wwe uh or i agree with that too it's like the wwe has definitely put its toe and sometimes in a cool way into the supernatural world or into something that like that and fantastical but then they have them facing off against regular everyday Joes all the time. And so it doesn't make sense in that universe, in the yeah. WWE universe. Yeah. Um, and I, I've always thought that that was weird. And that's what rubbed me wrong. It's like, dude, I'm a guy. I'll watch anime. I'll watch, you know, a 14 year old ninja girl chopping off some zombies head. But, you know, it makes sense in that universe. It doesn't happen in our real world. Right. So it doesn't make sense to try to play it like a reality show of real guys and back and then the workers and this and the other thing and all of a sudden you right. know undertakers rising from the dead doesn't make yeah. sense to me yeah but in lucha Underground, that japan, shit makes complete sense you know like ddt in japan i'm a huge fan they're even yeah. weirder than lucha underground and like you guys don't have a blow-up doll winning titles yet no I, <laughs> yeah. they just had a title win a title <laughs> what's that DDT just had. They had a ladder uh, with a title. They oh had a God. title with oh, someone. Just so great. It became its own champion. Wow. Yeah, it's it's pretty great. Like um, they had a guy turn to stone once, which is fucking <laughs> amazing. And uh, then he became a leader of a snake cult, and it, it, it's it's just good stuff. And 
Like, I, I like that weird stuff in wrestling. That's why I became a Lucha fan is because I saw the weird shit AAA was doing back in the day. Yeah. And, you know, like all their monster Casey, stuff. It up to me. Casey and Byron were like, you know, I, I knew about the show because of my interest in the reality TV guy. Like, and Byron and Casey were going to tape and so I was just like, this shit's crazy, man. Yeah, it was yeah, one of those like, things where... You guys, you guys had me at Skeleton Ninjas. I mean, come on, <laughs> Pentagon. Well, it's one of those things where it was like when it was getting taped and it was the first episodes were airing, there was a lot of word of mouth. It's a f- this free wrestling show. There's lots of cool guys that you don't really see on TV anymore. Yeah. A few of the old ones you used to. And I know just- I got all my friends watching the show just by sending them that Pentagon promo where he's breaking all the other martial arts masters' arms and then he yeah. leaves their dead bodies in the shape of the Pentagon on the floor. Fucking amazing. Yeah, amazing. It's well for me. What really stood out with Lucha was that, like with all other shows, you might see a character that you're interested in or storyline, and then it just falls apart or does something. Like they they don't give you a reason to commit to someone you see on TV. But Lucha Underground, it just there's always a follow through. So if you like a, if you like a wrestler's promo, that means that you're gonna like what they're gonna be. Hey, doing. hey speaking yeah. of liking wrestlers promos. Roach, if you could have anyone in Lucha Underground, um, in-ring talent or just an, even an actor, who would it be? That's a question from Beef Loaf. If I could, if I could do what with any of them? Have, have any talent in the world that you wanted in Lucha Underground. Oh, I see. Who's not already there? In, in-ring, in-ring talent or an actor even, who would it be? Oh, that's a good question. Huh. Well, um, hmm. In well, uh, to me, the the easy in ring talent, CM Punk, he he would be yeah. he would be amazing, and I, I feel like I feel like I would I would choose him even over uh, stars of cinema or whatever because ultimately Lucha Underground's a wrestling show. I mean, everything ends in the ring, so it would be amazing to have a guy like that. Um, but you know. It'd be cool to have Harrison Ford play a character as well. <laughs> is Harrison Ford the limo guy? We won't tell anyone. He is not. We no. We're gonna shoot. We're gonna do a scene of Harrison Ford and Aerostar in a cantina somewhere. <laughs> well, with the time travel, it could be in a galaxy far away. Yeah, I mean, he's from the cosmos. That includes the Star Wars galaxy. I mean, come on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the time traveling when we when we had that idea and did that scene that took place a thousand years in the past where like people are either going to, this is when people are never going to watch the show again or, or people will buy it. And I, I hope, I think they bought it. And I, I feel like as long as we, like you say, pay stories off and as long as everything makes sense within this world, it's okay to get a little crazy. I mean, that's what makes wrestling fun. I mean, wrestling is crazy. See, and I don't plus, know if I bought it's it. It's like or... a to get out of whatever you want. You got a time traveler. You can undo anything. Yeah. If someone wants to leave the promotion, you can have them travel back in time and yeah, kill their parents. But see, but see, I don't know that his time travel works that way. We don't. We don't know how to Aerostar's time travel works yet. Chris and DJ will have to write something that explains if he can jump to any place and just fix time like that. Uh, yeah. I have a question: If you Aerostar to, to erase something that happened. Casey, what would you like to ask not to have happened? <laughs> I think we know the answer to that is sexy star winning the title. But oh, come on. He's one of those, Chris. You, you, can't, you can't fault him. He's, he's one of those. There are a few of them out there. We have our own resident uh, hater on sexy having the belt. 
<laughs> well, I, I'm just not a, I'm just not a fan of hers. Like not the idea of it, but um, no. Uh, like say say like okay say like you could have Aerostar go back and he tries to prevent Matanza from happening. Like that's a thing. He could do that. He could stop that abuse from happening when he was a kid. And right. then what's Dario going to do? He doesn't even have a brother anymore that's a monster. It's crazy. Like, you guys got all these doors open. It's, it's awesome. true, but Aerostar uh, has a lot of respect uh, for time travel and knows that there's a butterfly effect in, in anything you oh. do. Um, so, you know, it would – you know, it's, it, it's, I, I don't want to give too much away because we could do it in season four, but I, uh, you know, DJ and I came up with, um, and actually we, I wrote, uh, this, this whole time travel episode, which was pretty awesome. Um, but we, then we came up with a different idea for season three that we, we didn't have time to do it. Um, and so hopefully we'll get to do a, a fun time travel episode, uh, in, in the future. Well, now the chat room is going crazy on what kind of butterfly effect this could cause, like a baby face Dario that Zero Cool is talking about, and Vinny Massaro is, is thrown in the butterfly effect theory. Yeah. That is the pizza could turn into a taco in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> pizza taco gate. Pizza yeah. taco gate all over again, man. But I will say, no, Aeros- I know the answer to the pizza taco thing. The guy that does that review that thought he was eating a taco instead of a piece of pizza does not have the L Ray network in HD. He has it in standard depth. Yeah. So he has a hard time telling anything. He thought that Cortez was the one Matanza killed. Like, his, his definition's horrible. Yeah, Vinny, Vinny Massaro uh, was eating pizza. He's. Uh, he's Italian. He would not. He would not be eating a taco. He would. He eats pizza in the bathroom. Official. Te- technically, though, isn't he Sicilian? <laughs> he's Sicilian. You're right. He's Sicilian. He <laughs> I'm lo- just. Hey, I'm just looking out for Vinny. He's a homeboy. I don't want yeah. to get all mad. You know how fiery those Sicilians can get. Yeah, but yeah, he 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 will only be eating pizza on camera. Unless, oh, Vinny, unless, Vinny says we're racist. One of us is a racist, um, and I agree with you, Vinny. You're right. It's yeah, actually, it's absolutely nice. Roach. He's probably Roach is probably the least racist guy I know. In fact, he's probably the most all inclusive guy I've ever seen on Twitter. Yes, I'm very, I'm very, I'm very inclusive. But uh, I'm also, I also know the age old wrestling thing that that you've learned from watching WWF that you know if someone. Uh, if someone is a stereotype, they have to they have to be that all the way. So if he's from Sicily, he can't be eating tacos or Chinese food. He has to eat he has to eat pizza. Bingo! I love K-fabe. it. Kayfabe all the way, man. Stain on the shirt, wife beater. Let's do it, Vinny. <laughs> yes, we look forward to <laughs> hopefully seeing him again. Like I, I can't wait for this hiatus to. Oh man, there's so much shit I want to talk about that I can't talk about. Yeah, well, you've got to be killing you guys. I mean, like we we mentioned, you know, we teased some of it, like just the excitement that you guys had when we would walk into the room. Now you've been holding on to some of that excitement for over a year. Is it killing you to not see these stories on TV, even though you know what's going to happen? Yeah, it's uh, it sucks. I mean, I'm I'm I, I think like I love the back half of season three so much. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's, I think it's so much fun. I think it's, you know, I think we do a lot uh, for more traditional wrestling fans, but I think we also have cool storylines and um, I'm so excited for people to see it. And I, you know, I hope 
I hope whenever it does air that uh, people like it, which, you know, I hope I'm still alive when it does air. <laughs> Look, I don't think there's any moment that there was a specific moment that when I left the arena, I saw Eric on the way out and I told him that I've been a wrestling fan for 30 years and that was the coolest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. I think you probably already know what I'm talking about, but <laughs> did it yeah. did involve Vinny Massaro? Oh, Unfortunately, no. Moments. There were there were things that I love that Vinny did, but this was um, this was people that we talked about earlier in the episode. I can't I can't really give too many clues, but it's something that um, somebody became my fav my second favorite wrestler for sure that night. Yeah, After Pentagon. Yeah, oh, I think yeah, we're all, I can't, we're all I can't, I can't replace Pentagon as my favorite wrestler. Yeah, but someone became yeah. my second favorite and might have knocked Mil Muertes down a notch so they can oh. fight. Wow, I'm, 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 I'm excited to uh, to have everyone see who who ascended the ladder. Yes, and I, I think that it'll be really obvious when they see the match. But oh man, yeah. yeah. By the way, I want to say I love Vinny Massaro, and one one thing, I, another thing I love about Lucha Underground and like working with DJ, and and I've always felt this way, and DJ totally feels this way, and, and pushes it is trying to give everyone a storyline, and mm-hmm. and you know, even Vinny, who who's you know on season one, his biggest claim to fame was having his arm broken by Pentagon, and now his. Uh, biggest claim to fame in this season is eating pizza in a bathroom. Um, you know, he, he's a character in our world and like, we don't want any character to be overlooked, you know, from him and Ricky Mandel and everyone, we want everyone to have a chance to shine and, and, and get a, get a story. Um, well, I'm really looking forward to seeing what you guys do with with Kevin Cross because uh, you know we've all heard that he's he's yeah. coming in, but now with all these delays, it's like, oh, I want to see what they're gonna do with this guy because he cuts a mean promo, he's physically intimidating in the ring, and there's just in the Lucha Underground world, there's just so many possibilities, and we've seen him work dark too, so we know what he can do. But at the same yeah, time, those matches were dope as fuck, and his match with Vinny was dope as fuck. Like, yeah, awesome. Yeah, uh, Vinny was awesome that day. Uh, yeah, Kevin Cross is uh, is a killer. He he, I remember. I I think it was DJ. Sent, yeah, it was DJ sent me and Stolman and this guy Andrew Krakowski who doesn't get any love, but he he uh, he's written a couple episodes and he's he's awesome too. He sent us his a promo he did, and I was like, wow, that guy is a star. Kevin Cross is a star. Yeah, and I think so. like I'll, I I try to check out on his Facebook and whatnot just to see what kind of promos he's cutting in FSW or wherever he's you know traveling around now. And he hasn't been doing this for very long, and his, but his promo work especially is like a guy who's eight or nine years into the game. Yeah, he's awesome. I just I, I love those promos. Yeah, he's and he's got he's just got a great look. I mean, he he looks scary as hell and i mean he looks like a pro wrestler he looks like he was born to be a pro wrestler yeah yeah and he i love his kind of his kind of shoot style that he's got you know a lot of yeah bastard and influence yeah and boss rooting and a lot of like uwf influence i love that stuff i i make byron watch it when i go over to his house all right, so here's another big guy I got to ask you about real quick, Roach, because this is where your worlds converge between Big Brother 
and Lucha Underground. I got to uh -huh. ask you about the Luchasaurus, the Undersnaker, uh, Austin Madelson, Judas Draven, also known as Vibera. There you go, Vibera. <laughs> so look, I'm not going to lie to you. You, you. you probably heard us shit on him on this show just a little bit, but I have to tell you, I'm seeing what the guy is doing right now. And I'm super impressed with the work ethic of what Dude. he's doing. That he's out there, he's running the Luchasaurus yeah. gimmick. Yeah. He's practicing new moves with Morrison. His yeah. new finish is dope. Like, if you have not seen the new finishing move that he did, amazing. The land before time choke slam. <laughs> Look it up, guys. And I was it's actually, I think it's on one of our Twitters. It's it's pretty amazing. Like now, did you bring him yeah, in from amazing. Did you bring him in from knowing him uh, on Big Brother? Was he your call? Like, how did he, how did Austin get brought in? Uh, he was not my call. He, I mean, he was he was on Big Brother, and um, you know, we knew he was a wrestler, and and he he was a he was a friend of uh, Mundo's, and um, you know, I I'm you know, I try to be a little careful. Like, I don't want to just be like oh this guy was on big brother let let me try to get him on lucha underground like i don't want to be someone who is you know i don't want to seem like i'm you know helping both shows out or i have an agenda with either show because they're totally separate um and my you know my role in lucha underground is totally separate from my role with big brother so i what happened was is you know uh that said i would never want to want to like stop him from having an opportunity but you know um dj was always sort of impressed with his size and then i think we had a tryout day and he came and i, th I think he was pretty good and then you know i think we were a little worried about doing you know we didn't we didn't want the guy who was just on big brother to be the guy from big brother and lucha underground so dj had the brilliant idea of um, making him this character vibra who we had already sort of planned as a character um, and DJ said, why don't we get him? He's a giant and he'd look awesome in a snake mask. Uh, and he was right. And, and it turned out really well, better, better than we expected. I mean, I, I had this whole segment planned for this show before we ended up having two guests tonight, yeah. um, uh, talking about developing a big man in wrestling. Um, because it's super duper hard because they look so intimidating that they have to squash people or be credible the second they walk in, which doesn't really give them the time to necessarily develop the same way that other wrestlers do. And a lot of big men have had this problem. I think Abyss, they had some issues with Abyss with this when, when he came into TNA at first, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and, and I've seen honestly a little bit of that with Madison too, of, of like, you know, this is a crazy style for him coming out of the WWE development and then going away for a little while and then coming into Lucha Underground. Um, and and I'm not going to lie. We had our complaints about the guy, but at the same time, I see him doing the right things right now. And it's so hard for a, a big guy to develop. But then I see him doing these flip bumps and stuff with Mundo out there and practicing all the time and taking his act on the road. Um, like, what is it like for, for you guys too? And, and even with, with, you know, Cobb and, and some of these other characters and these big men, you have a lot of monsters now in Lucha Underground, but again, mm -hmm. big men are hard to develop outside of being just a monster. Like storyline wise, how do you, how do you approach that concept? Well, I mean, it's, it's tricky. I mean, with, with Matanza, it was really tricky uh, as far as, um, 
you know, we, we, we made this unbeatable, scary monster and then there's only so far you can go with it. I mean, that's, that's kind of why, you know, that's sort of why we came up with the whole Dario's dial of doom where Dario was just so confident in him. He could spin a wheel and, and Matanza would, would win because, you know, we had to embrace, like, that's what we've set up. We've set up that, you know, Matanza in season two beat Mill and Cage and Pentagon. And it's like, we had to set up this, we had to say, okay, this guy's unbeatable. And then, and, and play into that and then figure out our best to do a creative way out, out of it. And so, you know, with Vibera, I think what's good is we, we took him, we've taken him a lot, uh, slower, you know, he didn't just come out and as a main event guy, he came out as part of uh, a faction and he's right now just doing Cobra Moon's bidding. And um, so there's a lot of room to grow with him and a lot of places to go. Now, a faction that I love, by the way, and I yeah, think Mel's yeah, doing yeah. a great job with the, the Cobra Moon thing in general. Personally, I just I love that whole angle. I wish he would wrestle more. Yeah. But and Steve, <laughs> that's just, Steve Payne. Love Steve, that guy. Oh, Steve Payne's amazing. Really love that guy. Yeah. He's a good get. Like, um, yeah, like, and I love the uh, the Cobra Throne. I mean, it's like Cobra Commander's Throne. It's so yeah. dope. Yeah. I, and, I mean, uh, it's awesome. I know DJ and I, like, were joking about the Snake Tribe for, like, two years before we ever debuted them, and DJ would always do an impersonation, which is basically just a Cobra Commander impersonation, like, you know, being like, Vibra, go fetch me Drago. And <laughs> it's like, I mean, our, our love of G.I. Joe and He-Man definitely influences the show. <laughs> well, now, see, now you're getting to exactly where we were headed with this whole thing. It's He-Man. Yes. Yeah. Because I watched, uh, it's all on Netflix now, by the way. And Casey is here to tell oh, you that this is one of the reasons why He-Man is better than Lucha Underground. Okay. Well, I can't go ahead. I can't. <laughs> Listen, He-Man's an icon that's been around 30 years. Um, that, that makes me feel really old. Wow, 30 years. I yeah. mean, true, it's probably been 35 years, actually. It probably it's has. Yeah, geez. Uh, yeah, it's it's on Netflix, but it isn't all of it. They, they screwed up and didn't put up season two, so I don't get any in my web store. And he was, like, amazing. He's one of my favorites. Yeah, he was awesome. Okay, well, I watched the first episode again today for the first time in a long, long time. Uh -huh. And my favorite thing about it was, you know, it's this episode about this crazy wizard and these two comets and the wizard like messed up one of the comets. So now the other comet is mad at him. So Skeletor can take it over and very interesting, heady stuff for the very first episode of a, a kid show trying to sell toys. But yeah. I noticed that Tila... They have this great shot of Tila lying down, like doing this thing where she's just kind of looking all sexy. It was obviously something one of the illustrators just loved to bits. So they keep finding reasons in this episode for Tila to fall down. It is the best thing wow. ever. You guys gotta want to watch this episode because every time Tila falls down and then she's just sitting there posed like this. That is so bizarre. I have no, I actually haven't watched the original series since I was a kid. Uh, but I might have to go back just to watch that. Episode. You want to see something mm -hmm. fucked up, you guys? Oh boy! Okay, because you know, mm -hmm. giant E-Man books here. Okay, so we got we got Orko, right? Yes. Okay. Well, this is as official as you get. Orko unmasked. Whoa! No. 
That's not possible. What is that thing? That's, that's like that's something George Lucas would animate into a movie 10 years after it was made. So basically they got a storyboard of him unmasked and then they had the character designer draw that up. They, there was an episode where he takes his mask off, but they just show him in the shadows because they realized what they had looked like shit. But that's what it would have been. And so, yeah, I just I had to share it because you always wondered what Orko's face looked like. You buy the action figure, you can take his hat off, but he's still got the mask on. Yeah, I was you really know. mad about that. I had the Orko action figure just so I could dismantle it for that fact because <laughs> I hated Orko. I hope when we reveal the guy in the limo, it's uh, it's more impressive than the Orko reveal. I don't know. I honestly don't know that it, it can be. I mean, can can you guys do something cool enough to really make it work now? I know I'm putting the, I'm putting the, the fire to your toes on this one. Uh, probably not. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> I think I think the best thing we can do now is not mention the limo guy for like two seasons and then and then have him debut and then uh, people will be like, oh my god, yes, oh my god, the limo guy. They didn't forget about him. And yeah, I mean, just- after after all the speculation that it was Schwarzenegger, it was just like, oh, these guys are fucked now. This is terrible. <laughs> Um, yeah, that was partially our fault. Mostly, um, mostly our fault. Yeah, but see, okay, I can I can liken it to a certain thing, like um, going back to classic eighties action figures, GI Joe. Right? You always wondered what Destro looked like. Yeah. You always wondered what Cobra Commander looked like. Yeah. And then I got they had those twelve inch figures that you could take their masks off. Destro, you take it off, he's just a normal dude. You're like, oh, that's a little disappointing, but you still you still like that they showed you. Cobra Commander had another mask on under his mask. I paid twenty dollars to see another mask under his mask. <laughs> Damn it! That's awesome. Keeps the mystery going. It does. Yeah. It, at least it wasn't the comics where he looks like John Lennon in his kind of hippie face. <laughs> was what Cobra Commander looked like unmasked, or the guy with all the eyes on his face? Like, oh uh, yeah, from the movie. movie. Mm-hmm. I yeah. was a man. That that's the problem. You know, that is the hard thing about Lucha Underground and like coming up with storylines is, you know, you basically you you only have so long to like surprise people and then people start imagining what things should be. And and it makes it I mean, that's why we were we were really nervous about what people would think about Matanza, because people had a year to imagine what this crazy monster locked away is going to look like, what he's going to be like in the ring. And no, no matter who, no matter what wrestler we had, who the who the performer is, what the costume looked like, it's that's it, it's hard to compete with people's imaginations. Um, yeah. Well, and I imagine limo. I imagine limo guys, Carmen Electra and a thong. So that's what you guys have to uh, I, live up to. I can, as a world exclusive, I can say that will not be the reveal. <laughs> Damn it. I'm always wrong. You know, I said at the end, uh, before the end of the season, that uh, I was never going to watch Lucha Underground again if you guys didn't reveal who Limo Guy, Cigar Guy, Dr. Claw is, or whatever. And uh, yeah, I still watch it all the time. Yeah, and he came to like half the tapings after that. So yeah. yeah Wait, so I, if, I, if we didn't reveal it in season two, you mean? Yeah. 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 I said that on the show. Wow. But it was like when three people listen to the show, so no one's going to hold it against them. Well, uh, and now I've said it when like 7,000 people are listening, so I've completely screwed myself. Urban Heretic is in the urban. I saw, I saw like hi? fire. You're glitching, man. You're glitching. You look like an old school I'm here. Right now, bro. I'm here. I'm here What's in the up, bar. What's up, Urban? 
Urban has this thing for hacking our podcast, uh, Roach, where he, he just shows up in the middle of it like all the time. Wow. I don't know what the heck's going on. What a heel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Total heel tactics. I heard that he runs a pretty good Celebrity Apprentice podcast now. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I heard, I heard he was trying to get the CBS app so he could do Big Brother Over the Top also, though. Oh, shit. Nice. Yeah, I am. I am, actually. You're, you're correct. Well, how do you know that? <laughs> because we have that DM going that is the most awesome thing ever that no one will ever be able to read. talk about the DM. Roll number. It is I'll, more classified than Area 51. <laughs> I'm selling it. I'm selling it. It's already sold. We'll uh, be revealed first. The limo guy or your DM? Oh. Uh, the DM. Oh, limo guy. Probably the sure. limo guy. Limo limo guy. guy. Uh, There's a lot of work to be done on the DM. So, I think half the DMs about <laughs> the limo guy could be, actually. Uh, yeah. See, like, okay, limo guy likes cigars, right? Yes. And El Rey Network likes playing the Toxic Avenger. Yeah. Is this? Are you saying? Are you saying there's a link between the limo guy and the Toxic Avenger? I'm so embarrassed. That would be. <laughs> I did Casey Freeze. That would be awesome. But how do you have Toxie in the Lucha Underground world and have anyone compete with them? I don't think that's. I don't think that's going to happen. But I guess you never know. <laughs> All right. So so give us a tease without giving anything away. Give okay. us a tease of of. <laughs> what you're looking forward to about Lucha Underground. I know you can't really tell us storylines, but like, obviously there's things coming up that have either been filmed for this season or things that like, how, how deep are you and DJ into writing this thing? Are you guys like at season five <laughs> sketching well, out the ideas by now? Well, we do have some, I mean, we have some, we have some outline ideas for season four and we have some bigger picture ideas uh, for five and beyond um will any of that come to be i mean it depends on when when we tape what talent we have but we're always thinking about it um i will say uh season three so i'll give two teasers one for the rest of season three which hopefully all the fans come back because i i love like i said i love the back half of season three there is more Vinny Massaro. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We love Vinny. Is he, is he watching this or no? Oh, yeah. He's probably still around somewhere. I hope so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's watching it. He's there. Okay, His good. His comment is, uh, thank God Casey isn't writing Lucha Underground. Uh, Miflo, <laughs> the British guy, uh, his he commented that he thinks Okada is the guy. That was fun when he was back uh, when the picture went around. Yeah. Was. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, uh, yeah, I would love, I would love for everyone to be very excited about, uh, the limo guy reveal, but, uh, I won't talk about that. What I will say is that for season three, uh, the rest of season three, my teases is like, I really truly believe that, that this Ultima Lucha is the best one. Uh, Ultima Lucha trace. I'll agree. Confirmed. I was there. Confirmed. Um, not, not only. Not only, uh, not only the, the, the matches, but the storyline culminations and stuff, I think is pretty awesome. And the matches are just, everyone, everyone stepped it up. I mean, I mean, they always step it up, but like they took it, 
the, the performers <laughs> always go as far as you think they can go, and then they they continue to surprise you. How many oh, how many oh, matches oh. were there? Oh. Uh, I don't know if I can give that away for ultimate. Okay, Lucha. yeah, you can. I'll, I'll say yeah. th- I'll say this though. There's actually one match that I mm-hmm. did not like, Chris. There's one match that I actually hated. That you hated? Yeah. On Ultima Lucha. Hmm. Uh, you have to as a part as a part of that weekend. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Send me a send me a. <laughs> no, message. it's and it's not and it's not a big deal either. It, it is honestly sounds like a big deal. Oh, it's yeah. not a big deal at all. No. I mean, dude, you're talking about an event that was probably of all the wrestling I've seen the high watermark. Period. Hands yeah. down. Over, over over going to ECW Arena wow. in its heyday, and and ECW pay per views and WWE pay per views and WCW. Um, I will say Ultima Lucha 3, for me, as an overall wrestling event, was the ultimate um, live wrestling event that I've oh. been to. We'll see how you guys cut it together for TV. Yeah. Well, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> but it did, have one, it did have one match that I didn't like, and I'll, I'll save that for later. Well, That'll be my little spoiler for later. I want you guys to uh, – you guys got to DM me and tell me that, and also tell me who, who's Casey's second favorite wrestler. I need to know both of those things, oh, uh, yeah. which, we, which can't – can't say on the show um and then i will say as far as a as a greater tease um uh, i'll give two teases but who knows what i'll say one um the tribes are important and uh two uh our current idea that for the very beginning of uh season four you know if it if it happens if i mean Hopefully, uh, we all get the opportunity to make season four. And I'm, a, I mean, I, I'm sure the show will be, but you never know what will. Uh, I don't like to count my chickens before they're hatched, but uh, the, an idea DJ and I have thrown around for the uh, debut episode of season four, um, I think would be very surprising. And I think people would love it. I think it would be a, a very, a very awesome uh, wrestling. Oh, episode. God, that just makes me want to get back to a taping so had yeah. i was hoping to be like planning to go to a taping a week from now to see that moment that you guys already created and written. yeah oh yeah I, I wish we were doing it so hard it. i wish we were doing it but hopefully uh hopefully we'll be taping in the fall and uh and and you guys will be there now now for you though if if big brother over the top does fall again is that gonna suck are you gonna be like conflicted on where to go uh, i mean uh, your bosses are probably all listening like yeah what's your answer but uh I, I will do whatever i can to do to do it all because i could ne- my my heart would be uh my heart would be empty without lucha underground i, I love it i love it so much well at least it's just taping kind of on the weekends yeah and whatnot. Exactly. man that's a hard i mean like yeah. big brother already is a pretty tough road for a producer yeah you know even even once you get to the higher level that's still a tough show yeah be able to just do the like the night writing sessions with dj or would you have to get to the temple um i probably would be able to do that but i i really like being at the temple i mean i i i love being part of the creative on the day of you know because we change some things you know sometimes we change um match results on the day uh you know and um you know, I talk to the the commentators um, and and go over stories with them, and and you know, I, I love being there. Um, I love working with Eric and 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 DJ and everyone. Um, so I would do whatever I can to to be a part of the actual shooting as well. And I want to see I you guys. And for you, Chris, that you'll want to keep open. By the way, 
Is um, it PowerCon weekend? PowerCon weekend. Uh, uh, don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry. Deal, yeah. Huh? yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to get DJ to go. He was supposed to go last year, but uh, I think he was out of town or something. Well, I was speaking- last year, so I'm definitely going this year. Yeah. Like, no fans or butts. I'm going. Yeah, I'm going too. Um, listen, I'm going to have to go in a yes, second absolutely. because my wife is making dinner, but any, any other last questions? Thank you so well, much for having me on. In, in this bag is a, a shirt that Byron ordered for you a long, long time ago, and one for DJ and one for Evie Dub that uh, we were going to give you guys when we saw you live. So <laughs> well, time you have one of these awesome shirts coming. Um, we, we hope that it can only match um, or replace your last Real Heel shirt. Uh, i don't know if it can ever replace that in my heart but uh but it will definitely be good for when that's in the laundry yeah Uh, i mean you can wash your car with both of them we we know how (laughs) um well yeah you know it will be it will be perfect because we'll be taping again it'll be around the holidays so it can be it can be a christmas gift (laughs) (laughs) exactly which is so so messed up considering we bought that for you before christmas Mm -hmm. Um, and they're limited editions where i don't know if we're going to ever make them again we just kind of did them one-offs but we have them sitting here for you guys please please hold on to them i really appreciate that thank you so much for participating in this social experiment um yeah which has always gone awry from day one yeah thank you for having me i love the show and uh, i really appreciate even though i was bumped for a more important guest i really appreciate you guys having me it's not necessarily that he's more important it's that he he had he had no yeah he's more important yeah it's all right (laughs) that's okay um cool terrible host thanks so much guys send me a direct message i want to know what match you hated okay okay i will definitely i will definitely tell you you'll you'll laugh it's um, a lie they didn't hate anything just don't believe what they say it's okay oh stop you know we're the podcast that actually does occasionally hate on some things from lucha underground unlike i was you're fucking up we almost got fucking up get a shield man it's total it's total bedlam, Chris. All right. Thank you, All brother, right. for joining us. We'll let you, you get out of here. Guys. All right. Talk to you later. Cheers. Oh man. So Dude, uh, did any of my cigar face from the Toxic Avenger talk even come through about him being the limo driver? Because yeah, I got you had Byron backing you up, so God only knows what you're gonna get out of that, my friend. Oh, wonderful. Thank you, Byron. You're talking about toxic smoking cigars or something. <laughs> no, not cigar face. He says, you're going to find out why they call me cigar face. Hey, it's, it's Ray Wyatt. Um, hey, did any of you guys watch this little um, WWE uh, United Kingdom championship tournament UKCT? Is that right? UKC? No, is it like, good? We watch I don't it? like British people. Oh, hey, hey, Meatloaf oh. is in the room. Wait, what are you talking about? Meatloaf no, is around. Oh, I refuse to watch it because they got that one guy that kind of looks like Party Marty Squirrel, but isn't. And I'm pissed that it wasn't because they I got all excited when I saw his picture. Huh? They threw a tournament without Party Marty? There's not. Yeah. yeah. Fucking bullshit, bro. There's fucking. Look, they threw a cruiserweight tournament without any good cruiserweights so why wouldn't they no they had hey, 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 hey zach saber jr is fucking amazing come on right. they had a great cruiserweight tournament and they couldn't sign anyone who's actually good so tjp had to be the champion yeah. well that was not the case with this tournament um they signed this everyone. tournament was 
is really good, by the way. Um, probably one of the best WWE products that I've seen in ages. So I would say definitely to watch it. Is, is it better than Surf's Up 2, Justin? Probably. Let me answer, mm. Let me answer for Justin right now. Does it have probably. Undertaker as a penguin? And who's trying to call into the show now? Uh, Meefloaf. What's up? How come people can't just click links? I did to... click a link. Shut up. <laughs> it's probably... Yeah. No, you hacked into the show, kayfabe. Jesus Christ. I made the link myself with some PHP code that I ripped off your injections. Urban, did you just bite off the top of that bottle? Yes. Yes, I did. Always. Of course he did. Dude, I've seen him do it in person. It's fucking dope. He's a real man, Byron. That's what real men do. They do He's real men. He's doing with his butthole. I've been at work for like 16 hours, except hey, half of that's been doing this podcast. Dude, you should oh, I'm the big brother thing. I brag about all the work I'm doing. I haven't worked in three weeks. <laughs> Tell what, yeah, what's going on? You guys got a bunch of rain out there or something, Urban? How come you haven't been doing your job? Yeah, apparently y'all couldn't soak up anymore, so they just brought it over this way, and we, you know, we're taking care well, of it. No, we're getting it again. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, today was kind of rough in the morning, and then like all weekend, it's supposed to be raining, which is great. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, do you think no, it's going to give us a, a, a non-drought year? I hope so. God damn, y'all need a fucking break out there. Yeah, but it's yeah. like it, just because it rains now, it might just then. It, then if it's dry for seven months straight, then by the end of the summer, we're still having fires, and it's still totally screwed up. Hey, um, at least you don't have the Smoky Mountains, man. Hey Byron, uh, DM me <laughs> and tell him I sent him sent him the right link. He's got to actually click the link. Oh, here he comes. I see him. What's up, Meef? Meef, are you hey! there? I can see the top of your head. Is that how they roll in England? It's like four twenty now. He's he's jerking it's off. Like four twenty. What does that mean? Is that a code for something? That's early. <laughs> Oh God, you're you're so you're about to start your day. Anyway, look, I was talking about that lovely little island of yours over there, um, in this little tournament that the WWE had. Did, did you watch any of that thing? Yes. And what did you think, um, being being a, a Brit yourself? What did you think of this tournament? Is it worth a damn? They didn't have the best British talent. Well, I, didn't I didn't expect them to, but I liked. Uh, I like some of the guys that they had. I mean, look, the guy who won is like freaking 19 years old, right? Yeah. Is, who's, the, all, um, Pete, who's the best? Pete Dunne Phoenix last year when he was over. And now the show that I'm going to in February, he's fighting Pentagon Jr. But that's a... Because oh, the whole flow slam thing do you see today? That what happened? happened? What's that? He's been with well, you know Flow Slam, it's that new streaming service. Pete done. I won't say the words pulled from the event, but basically, he went from being like in the main event or something to now having to wrestle a dark match. Uh, that's yeah, that's, already begun. Yeah. Well, yeah. but I mean, this that's what, what WWE does. They they're gonna come in. They're gonna get maybe not the 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 three best guys, but they're gonna get the the ten below the three best guys. And then they're going to capitalize on making everyone's life suck after that. 
How are you gonna Wait. have how are you gonna have Wait. a UK tournament without Big Daddy wrestling in it? Probably because he's dead, but Big Daddy drop a Big Daddy reference, a Kendo Nagasaki reference, the British version, not the one here. We had a different have a, Kendo Nagasaki. I do have a British tournament without a UK tournament uh, without uh, Zach. Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you who the hell was in it. Trent Seven, H.C. Dyer, uh, Jordan Devlin, Danny Birch, uh, the Muscle Cat, Saxon Huxley. He's <laughs> awful. Um, terrible. Sam Gradwell, Pete Dunn, Roy Johnson, who is uh, really green but entertains the shit out of me for some reason. Um, and then uh, you got. T-Bone was in there who's cuts a hilarious program about how gypsies are not only smelly, but can fight also. Didn't deny the fact that they're smelly. <laughs> cuts a promo that they are in fact smelly, but they can also fight. You got to love that. I'm sorry. That was just that was the greatest promo ever. T-Bone. Uh, I don't think supposed to use that word, but okay. Wolf, Wolfgang, Wolfgang, who's a Scott. So oh. you know, there's that. He looks kind of like Byron. -ish. What's that, Meef? Um, last year, when I went to see Phoenix, um, one of the opening matches was Joseph Connors and H.C. Dye were a tag team over here. Mm -hmm. And basically, um, because Joseph Connors was too busy smack-talking El Ligero, H.C. Dye got out of the ring and sat down next to my missus and just sat there for like five minutes having a chat with her. <laughs> Casually, before the match. <sighs> Oh, that's great. Oh, that's, See, British wrestling is awesome, guys. That's some crowd work right there. Dude, my favorite British wrestling of is Kendo Nagasaki is my favorite character because he would hypnotize people. He was missing a finger from, like, some Yakuza deal gone wrong, probably, even though he wasn't really Japanese. The guy was amazing. And then when he lost his mask, he had this big fucking t occult tattoo on his head that was a real tattoo. It was amazing. I think his name was Dave and he rang a fish and chip shop. <laughs> well, so I haven't even told you all who else all was there. Um, Joseph Connors, as you had mentioned, he was also in this tournament. Uh, James Drake, Mark Andrews, who I really like a lot. He's, he's a flippy shit guy. Um, mm -hmm. And let's see, who else was there? Um, oh, Dan, Dan Maloney, who's another teenager. He's and seen things, though. You think so? He's super green, in my opinion. I, I didn't think he should be been there at all. He's the dude that looks twelve, right? Uh, and then Tucker, yeah, Tucker was there, and then Tyler Bate, who was also a teenager, but he's he's one of the mustache mountain guys, so he, at least he's got facial hair. Him and Wolfgang, right? They're they're a tag team in progress. Is that right? Am I high? British wrestling that much. He's like, I, I live here, but this stuff stinks. I don't <laughs> um, Yeah, so I'm not going to get into every match, but I, I really like Pete Dunne. He's a, a fabulous heel. He's got terrible British teeth, um, which I feel bad for. He's got summer teeth. Some are here, some are there, some are in Ireland somewhere from the last bar fight he was in. Some are yellow, some are brown. <laughs> it's terrible. Um so um, I like I like Pete Dunne a lot, man. I, I he's got great heel potential, um, and of course Tyler Bate I thought was good. The Mustache Mountain guys in general, Wolfgang uh, also showed very well, and the, those guys are a tag team. Um, but 
you know, in this, they were obviously individual. And I said to myself that WWE could have a very watchable show from this entire thing compared to, to live 205, in my opinion. Well, they've basically cut a deal and this is where it's going to get interesting. Yeah. Because they, yeah, the guys who are all on TV and being brought out in front of the cameras and all smiles, they're soon going to realize what, sh how sharp that stick is. And, um, basically either they're going to really back these companies to the point where they kind of get some talent or some NXT, maybe guys who are out on TV there, but it's going to end up where they'll either be so strong that the rest of the UK promotions go out of business. And then the WWE deal, the classic thing, pull the plug on them. Maybe. Hey guys, Told you. And I, I was, but, I was surprised to see that, you know, progress went along with this and what's the other one icw or whatever like that that these british promotions that are doing pretty well really were hand in hand with wwe on this thing and letting them pull the talent um because i don't see it going very well for them by doing that i don't know what the what the handshake backstage was with triple h but you know i'm trying to think um who posted it oh someone posted another one basically a historical thing about what Vince McMahon did was when he was going to be taking over the WWE before his dad let him. He became really friendly with all the American promotions and did that. Um, he put a show on to showcase their talent, like, but, but it gave it national TV. Mm -hmm. Right. And then he destroyed the fuck out of them. Yeah, he <laughs> bought the promotion, and if they didn't, if they didn't sell to him, he just took all their fucking top guys. He just yeah. yeah so I mean, he's everything. The the our guys. But they said so they were saying like he's promoting their guys. He's bringing them to you know he's going to bring fans to their shows. But at the same time, really, what all he was doing was promoting the guys to get over and then sign them for his own company. And then basically, as you, everybody knows, he'd sign people just so other people can't have them. And pretty much a lot of, I don't know if you guys um, heard, but when the run-up to this tournament, there was a lot of rumours. And I don't think they're necessary rumours because this is what the Pete Dunn thing I think might be, is that there was contracts offered where basically, oh, here's a contract. You can continue to wrestle for whoever you want in the UK but you can't wrestle for these companies in the UK. So that, yeah. And because I think like WCPW, I you know, don't know if you know those guys, they basically were a YouTube channel taking the piss. And basically now they've come quite big and put in their own, own shows, but mm, like they actually did, they were there and they interviewed and they were at the kind of press conferences and stuff, but yeah, I don't think WWE wants anything to do with them. And probably will try and shut them down as soon as possible. Yeah, I mean, it's like the end to the old territory wars. You know, everything is going great and groovy until it's not. Next thing <laughs> gonna do is they're going to make them give back their Blue Peter badges and not be able to get into theme parks for free. Uh, there was a discussion on message boards about Blue Peter badges and what that meant, and I find it fucking fascinating. They work for the BBC, so there's Blue Peters on the BBC, so that could mean a lot of things. If ever you're, you guys are familiar with Jimmy Savile? I, I've just heard this, this whole thing about this. Uh, yeah, um, I've heard about him. 
I've heard he likes to, to diddle. Um, but there, okay, Justin Byron, there's these badges that you would get from this TV show that you would fucking, uh, you would be like a good Samaritan and they would give you a badge or you'd win a contest on the show. They'd give you a badge and you could use that to get into fucking theme parks for free or concerts or castles or museums. Dude, where, where's my badge? That's all. That's all. I, I want a badge. <laughs> I do not want to get fondled. I just want a badge. <laughs> this whole thing is totally, it's gone south in, well, in, the, in all the right ways. I love this. So we've talked about He-Man. We've had two great guests. We've got, you know, a guy from an entirely different country on. And somehow we're, we're now talking about Casey getting a badge for getting diddled. I love this. It's called a Blue Peter badge. They have to touch the Peter to get the badge. Casey's always getting diddled. What the fuck's that's not news. He's <laughs> not news at all on this show. Not news if true. Not news. All I want to say is Cubs fan, I know you're watching. You gave me shit for not having lights. Well, look at Urban over here. Are you kidding me? Cubs fan gave up on this episode an hour and a half ago. Guaranteed. If Cubs fan is still listening to this, I double dare him to report the fact that I just talked to CM Roach in the DM about what that match was that I hated at Ultima Lucha 3. Did you tell him who my second favorite wrestler is? Because no, you know, no, I'll let I'll let I'll let you do that. I'll let you do that. I just I had to tell him mine, and I won't tell you what his reply to it was because that would be equally spoilery to me telling you what it was. But I guarantee you guys, reply was fuck you, Justin. <laughs> keep, keep listening to this show for a long, long time until it airs. Apparently, it's gonna be years. Um, keep listening to the show, and eventually, I will tell you guys what match that happened at Ultima Lutzers three. Which I have said is my wrestling. Um, what match I actually did not like. Um, I think I know which one it is. I, I know you know. We've talked about it before. Yeah. I know you know. You have to know, and I think Urban even knows. Me I know too. I probably does know. not know, and Byron is probably clueless because he doesn't pay attention when anyone else yeah. is talking. That's not putting him over. Did I? Did I start? Were you, were you, were you tearing up? Did you have tears doesn't. in your eyes? I, I had tears of laughter in my eyes. <laughs> okay. Okay. Just that was the match. A chant during that match that there's no way it's gonna make TV. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I know. Well, you, you did that. You did that in two matches, though. Oh. oh my God! You did do that. I know at least one of the times. There's two matches that you did that in, and I'm talking about the second one, not the first one. Okay. Byron, hit me up in the DM. Let me know what that match is, man. Uh, <laughs> now everybody uh, wants to know. Roach is hitting me up, and, and you guys are talking. This is good stuff. I was there. We can we can talk about it. We can talk I know, but it. it's going to take a year before it ever airs. I'm never even going to remember to tell anyone when it. That was spoiler. Come on, what the fuck, man? This is as good a time as any as to plug our future MMM show episode where we talk about where we broadcast our initial reactions and excitement from Ultima Lucha Three. Except it's all audio, because that was back when this was an audio-only podcast. So we'll have yeah. to uh, lay it under some, some video of Casey diddling himself for a Blue Peter badge or whatever. Yeah, no, like, but stay tuned, because... Oh, Vinny Massaro thinks he knows what matches... You're actually wrong. You're actually wrong. I actually liked that match that you're talking about. Um <laughs> Yeah, that's hilarious because I think that's the one that Byron thinks it is too, but he's wrong also. Um, I don't know anything. I need to go get my camera out of a field and my brain is... 
Well, that's I, fine. You can leave because I'm going to talk about MMA because I got a bunch of cool MMA stuff to talk about. Oh, let's yeah. Talk about let's it. talk let's MMA, talk about dude. It. Like how I'm going to fuck up Zach Morris. Yeah. Oh, well, we can start there for sure. Casey, do you really think you win a shoot fight against Zach Morris from Saved by the Bell? Dude, shin to the chin, good night. That's all I got to say. That's what he would do to you. <laughs> well, he's got is it squeak? He's got squeak on his side, which is Byron. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're practically yeah. the same person. Always and trying I- to stick fingers up some bums. <laughs> what? <laughs> I love I love how this is completely degenerated. Um, so we already talked about Tito and Chael um, with the big man Ev Dub. I believe that Chael's going to get it done. Um, I'm a little worried about Tito's size with Chael because. You know, Chael is going up to this weight class. Tito uh, cuts considerably to get to this weight class. So um, the only thing I'm kind of scared of is, is Tito basically laying on Chael. But other than that, I think that uh, – I think Chael can do it. So, Byron, are you out of here? Are you gonna, gonna, I'll be right back. I just have to go get my, my – Oh, uh, you're not going to stay calm and stay in the mix us? You're just going to no. take off for a little while? I'm going to walk back. My, All right, well, you're supposed etiquette. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen, listen, listen. There's etiquette to this whole thing. You're supposed to mute your microphone before you walk away. You're also supposed no, to mute your microphone no. before you cough when you have important guests on. It's only yeah. been 48 episodes. Eventually, we'll teach Byron how to do this thing. I'll be right back. Oh, yeah. You're also not supposed to unplug your microphone when it's hot. Wow. What a dick. It's like you're not even a reality TV producer. Yeah. Then again, on the quality of shows you produce, you probably don't have to be. Oh, dude. Um, reality TV. Damn. I'm, I can, I, can I drop some reality TV before we go into the MMA talk? Because I know Byron will just ruin this too. Um, <laughs> Thank you, Byron. I'm just off. playing with you. My favorite reality show, Face Off, starts next week, and I will talk about it on the show next time. All right, I'll do that with you. I'll, I'll watch an episode of it. I'll give it one episode because I, I don't. I've only I watched it in season two, and I only watched two episodes. So I'll give it another chance, and we'll talk about it. This season's all stars, so everyone's super fucking dope. So yeah, it'll be really cool. All right, well, if my internet drops out while I'm talking MMA, um, somebody take over for me and say something witty or important or exciting. So anyway, I, I was a little worried about uh, Chael with the weight thing with Tito, but I think I'm going to put my money on Chael. Um, I'm also going to put my money on Paul Daly against Brennan Ward. Uh, I think Paul Daly is going to put it on his chin, and it's going to be fracking amazing. Um, oh, and thanks to Meatloaf. I think Meatloaf had to take off to get to work, and he was probably like, MMA, oh, I'm yeah. Yeah, he's damn it. He's on the same schedule I am, man. Dude, like, except a whole country away, up at four thirty yeah, for work. At six a.m. just like me. It sucks. Except he's more dedicated than you, Casey. <laughs> um, is BJ Penn dead? Um, he. I think so. Not dead. I think they might have weekend at Bernie's them for a while around the octagon. Oh uh, my god. Like, that was did, fucked up, dude. Did I call that one wrong or what, man? I just really... Okay, so it, let me tell you why I called this one wrong and how it happened. I hadn't really realized that BJ Penn had basically left Jackson's. And he was back with, with uh, Jason Perillo, who, who I love Jason Perillo. He was on our Tap Out show. Um, phenomenal coach. Love him as a hands guy. 
I have, however, always had an issue with him and BJ Penn because if Perillo is your main coach in your corner and BJ is this phenomenal jujitsu guy, the problem is BJ doesn't have a jujitsu coach in his corner. He's basically his jujitsu coach. So there's nobody yelling at him from the corner to take somebody down and choke him out and put, you know, jujitsu moves on somebody. This is not a problem with Perillo. Perillo is one of the best hands coaches you could possibly get. Um, but I just, I think he has problems coaching BJ for Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So I didn't realize he had left Jackson's gym. And I'm thinking to myself, no, Jackson knows Yair. He knows what he's going to come with. Jackson is going to get this done. BJ wasn't with Jackson for the last couple of weeks of his camp. So the whole thing is a wash. Um, I don't know that that's necessarily why he lost, but I didn't even think BJ looked bad, dude. Like I thought BJ looked okay. Yair, however, just looked ridiculous, sick, ridiculous, out of control. What'd you think case? Dude, I, I uh, only caught highlights, but he was my pick. Uh, in fact, when the, the challenge went out, um, I, I tweeted, nice knowing you, BJ Penn, as soon as that <laughs> challenge went out. So, yeah, um, but, dude, I only got to see highlights. Uh, I don't like when they do shows Sunday nights. I work Monday morning at 6 in the morning. I yeah, but it was MLK Day. Who knew you worked for a bunch of racists that wouldn't, that wouldn't give you the day off? You know, didn't know that. That's true. You know, uh, it was a three-day weekend for a lot of people, but not me. I was really shocked when you DM'd that day and you said that you were at work. I was like, oh, that that sucks. Dude, we um, barely get days off. You know what the answer would be is that we do celebrate it, but they move it to the end of the year so we can get a longer winter break because that's like the answer for everything. Yeah, you know, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, though. I mean, if you still get those vacation days later, it's not necessarily a bad thing. And look, it's at the beginning of January. Like, I feel like it's a wasted holiday in a lot of ways anyway. Like, the, what it's actually celebrating is not wasted, but, you know, there's so much going on at this time of year that, you know, and you've just had this long break for Christmas. Like, I, I felt like it was a weird time to have a three-day weekend. But All anyway. I know is um, at least we're not Arizona. That's yeah, exactly. Um, well, so let me tell you about Joe Lozon and Marching Held. Um, really weird fight where... Joe Lozon gets a decision victory and afterwards, and I agreed with him. He's like, I didn't win that fight. I don't think he won that fight either. Um, you don't fucking that Marcin, say that though, dude. Like, yeah, but there were two, there were two fights. Um, the other one was, uh, uh, court McGee and Ben Saunders where basically, um, you know, at the end of these rounds, these guys were throwing up submission attempts and, winning the rounds on the judges scorecards for it, even though they were basically being controlled the whole rest of the round. And maybe it's signaling a change in MMA judging of like, we're going to judge on the guy who's trying to do some crazy shit more than the guy who's controlling the fight. If it's boring, like the lay and pray George St. Pierre style of old might just be a thing that doesn't work anymore. And we saw that Hendricks lost that other fight um, a couple right. weeks ago because of that. Right. Um, like exactly that reason. Yeah, so that, this is now three big fights that I have completely disagreed with the judges. 
um, because of this same style of thing where a guy is throwing up a last minute submission at the end of the round and takes the round when the other guy was dominating with control in from a wrestling position. This is a terrible thing for the wrestlers in the business. Um, and Joe Lozon even, you know, he felt like Martine Held was holding him down and controlling him and did not feel like he won the fight and threw up a couple of last minute submission attempts. And one of which was very, very credible, but I thought that he lost four minutes and 38 seconds of that round. So I didn't give it to him, and he didn't think he got it either, but the judges gave it to him. Um, it's a weird new trend in, in UFC, and I think it'll be interesting to see if this is um, something that continues or not. So, um, you know, My old go-to whenever it was a shitty judge decision was to blame it on Cecil Peoples, but he wasn't even one of the judges. <laughs> no, because this fight was in... Uh, in Arizona, I believe your favorite place for all your Martin Luther King day extravaganzas. Yeah. yeah. Um, hmm. Sergio Pettis also younger Pettis also looked really good. I was happy to see that as much as I am not a fan. Everybody knows of Duke Rufus's camp. Um, you know, I, there are some things that I like about that camp and Sergio Pettis in this fight was definitely one of them. He came with some heart and John Moraga's a tough guy. It's a good fight. Um, and also Goldie was in the crowd. Mike Goldberg, doesn't get a farewell from the UFC, but somehow buys himself a ticket and gets on camera looking like the psycho stalker ex-girlfriend. And I believe there's a, a GIF on on my yeah. uh, Twitter, at JustinHarvey75. Um, dig down there. It's worth seeing because it's yeah. freaking hilarious. I laughed my ass off when I saw that, actually. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> it's definitely worth uh checking out if i didn't and it's totally legit too it's from this event this is not a photoshop or something from some other event <clears throat> goldie does not live in arizona i don't believe and and flew to this fight bought himself a ticket and is sitting there like giving a hang loose with the fans um just looking railed out and like a psycho stalker amazing stuff yeah yeah um speaking of which did you listen to mma hour today uh, yeah, I did. Mark Hunt was on this the MMA Hour this week. Oh, dude, I love that guy because he's suing, right? So yeah, he came on with his lawyer talking about how he's uh, he's suing and taking fights. He's like, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna live up to my contract. I got five fights on my contract. They're not firing me, so he's gonna take fights and sue them at the same time. He seems but, uh, like a cool dude. Like you'd hang out with him because he's like no bullshit all the time. I don't know, and man. I, he seems honestly, he seems like he's a little bit of a hothead uh, that goes off the rails a little too easy. Don't get me wrong. I think that he's right to make a stink about this. If he's one of the guys that's been super clean his entire career. I think, however, though, that he shit, we kind of glitched Justin a little bit of so what I think is really important about your friends is for the things to happen, but the people to do them. You know what my opinion is, Byron, is that this like, lawsuit sets a precedent that um, Undertaker can sue to make sure that the streak stays intact, and I'm all for it. But I agree. I agree. Yeah, yeah I mean, that contest in any other company um, – it would be thrown out to a no contest that match because obviously Brock was pissing hot. You can see how hard he was hitting Undertaker. I think they should put an asterisk next to the one is what I'm saying at the very least. We got Justin back. He's just team. Am I back now? now? Oh yeah, yeah. you're back. You see, we're getting to the bottom of things. 
Yeah, we oh, were just well, talking about how Undertaker should sue to make sure that the streak stays intact. We're just going to asterisk him. Well, look, you know, if, if he just does what um, Byron's favorite wrestler of all time did with like a, a murder suicide on his family, then they'll just erase oh, him from oh, history altogether. Oh, hey, hey, hey. That's not cool. I'm just saying. I'm just saying that that is a good way to get erased, and maybe Undertaker could get his win back with an asterisk if you know Brock Lesnar went all murder suicidey. That's a good segue Uh, to the one gift that was floating around from Nitro when Snuka splashed Jeff Jarrett, gave him a concussion, and then Benoit gave him a top rope, uh, top of the cage flying headbutt. Both they did both the moves off uh, the top of the cage. Wait, now is Snuka this week's news? Yeah, Did we talked about Snooker last week. Someone named Nancy. That's interesting. It's in oh, there's a lot of parallels, a lot of similarities. Um, it's like there was a match and stuff was happening, and Jeff Jarrett was like the nice guy out of all of it. He was the one that. Look, was- I've got to. I've got to say this about Jimmy Snooker. He is the guy that brought to me the understanding of what the high spot was. I don't even think I knew what a high spot was before Jimmy Snooker. Because he's high on cocaine all the time, beating his girlfriend. I'm not talking about that yeah, part. I'm talking about when you're on coke. I'm talking about jumping off the cage with the splash, with the fingers out. Like Snooker was the guy that, like, I wanted to see fantasy bookings. It was like, oh, what if Jimmy Snooker fought Bruce Lee? Like Snooker is one of the guys that made me love wrestling. He really is. Am I've I only crazy? seen him wrestle. Did you ever get to see him wrestle live? Yeah, once. Just once. Yeah. Way, way towards the tail end. Me too, once. And that was at WrestleMania 7. And you know who his opponent was, Justin? Who? I actually think I saw him on the lead up to Mania 7. But who was the opponent? The Undertaker. Undertaker. At yeah, his right. first WrestleMania. And it was the birth of the streak, which in my heart is still intact. Well, good. Let's hope Mark doesn't go all murder suicide then. Hey, he already <laughs> murdered his parents, remember? In the fire? Stop. Kayfabe. Um, okay, oh, wait, so wait, wait, wait. we were talking about weird finishes. Look, I got to talk about another weird finish. The, the, um, oh. I have notes on it, too, because it's super-duper weird. The Invicta weird finish. Oh, I thought you meant that choke, dude. Oh, the Ezekiel choke. We didn't Ezekiel talk about choke. that. Yeah. That's, that's um, a choke that really shouldn't work and amazingly worked with some very big boys. <laughs> that's, a, that's a choke that in jiu-jitsu class, they say this is probably never going to work. And it worked. Yeah. Yeah, it's like yeah. The, the, the go-go omoplata thing that, you know, you can, you can tap a blue belt or a white belt with it, but you try anybody above that and they're going to get you. Yeah, in the short time I did jiu-jitsu, everyone tapped me with fucking everything. Got my ass kicked quite a bit, but did you watch Invicta, Casey? No, no, I don't. Okay, so so get this: How do you choke your opponent unconscious and not win? (laughs) They they fall on top of you and knock you out or something? I don't. How does this work? And in and in the same match, how do you tap an opponent and not win? The referee doesn't see it. No, so this actually happened uh, in Invicta. It was uh, Celine Haga versus Amy Montenegro. And at the end of the first round, just seconds left, 
Um, Haga taps out to Montenegro, um, but the bell had just sounded. Literally, the bell goes off, and then you see like this really light tap. Amazing. So there's all this controversy, and that's the first round. Then at the end of the fight, the roles are totally reversed. Haga is choking Montenegro and puts her to sleep. She is out. Bell rings. Ref breaks him up. When he breaks him up, the girl is unconscious on the mat. So it goes to the scorecards. A fight that had a tap and a complete unconscious submission goes to the cards. And the girl who was asleep at the end of the fight actually won. You know, it's okay at that point because it's almost like it's two out of three falls. (laughs) It's okay. But holy shit. It was crazy, man. Who was running this fight? It, it wasn't the ref's fault. I mean, they were both after the bell. Like oh. the ref, the ref was trying to determine if she was unconscious. The bell goes off. Then he pulls her off because the bell went off. He's not pulling her off because she won. Right. But the other girl's unconscious. I mean, this is like the um, the Hughes Carlos Newton thing with the slam, where where Newton had Hughes in the triangle choke and was putting him out, and then putting him to sleep is basically why Hughes slammed Carlos Newton. So they're both unconscious, but Hughes wins because he did it with the slam and it was seen that he did it with an actual move. You know, it's just one of those crazy weird finishes. And, um, yeah. And I want all our listeners to look up that Hughes Newton slam if they haven't seen it, because it's one of the greatest moments in MMA Byron. Look it up. Um, it's, it's great too. If you watch, um, Ultimate Hughes, um, which came out on DVD and is on UFC Fight Pass, I think now. Um, I was kind of the researcher when he's talking about that. Um, and I was, you know, kind of feeding questions to the interviewer about the Carlos Newton fight because I was the only one in the room who knew anything about it. But uh, it's pretty amazing to hear him talk about it too because he completely cops to it. He completely admits that he was out. He was, he was makes no bones about it. He's like, yeah, they totally fucked that one up. I was dead. <laughs> so check that out on ultimate user. Go, go look up that fight and you'll see like Hughes has like got him up in the slam. He's got him like up on the cage and then he is yeah, going out on the cage. and he turns and he falls down and slams Car- Carlos, not even intentionally. Um, it's pretty amazing. No, um, also, within yeah, Vegas, now that slam would be illegal, right? Like they're they're a little more strict on slams now. Um, no, it depends. Like as long as you don't spike him on the head, I don't think it's illegal. Which as long sucks, as not head spike. I saw that like one shoot pile driver in an MMA fight, and it was like the greatest thing I've ever seen. Oh, I saw John and, Dodson do it live on his episode of Tap Out that we did with him. Um, he shoot pile drives a dude right on his head. Total spike slams him. It was vicious. It was awful. I was almost mad at John for a minute, and then I realized how awesome it was when the guy was still alive. So, <laughs> yeah, as long but as like, he's getting up and talking to you, you're okay. Oh, you know? I thought he was. I thought the guy was dead. Like I turned to my friend Will Spurduti, um, and I was. We were both working on that episode, and we were both just like, "Oh shit, the magician done killed somebody." <laughs> Yeah, I've only felt that way once in wrestling, and it was a botched styles clash. And the guy ended up being all right, but it looked like when Yoshi Tatsu got fucking killed. I said, and- Yoshi's an idiot for taking it like that, by the way. Have we made a stand on that yet? His commentary is the best in professional wrestling is the stand that we take on the show. That's true. His contributions as a commentarian are far surpass. I don't commentar- like- Did you say commentarian? 
commentarian. Yeah. yeah, I like it. It sounds like a political party. It makes wow it makes the commentarian sound more significant. Um, Andrea KGB Lee, um, she's a bad bad girl. I love that girl. Um, she got another TKO victory over Jenny Liu in just like seventy four seconds. Raquel Paula Louis. Um, she had a really good win over Penny Kianzad. Um And the interesting news to come out of Invicta is they gave away um, a 145 interim belt, which is Cyborg's weight class. So now you have two promotions basically letting people fight for Cyborg's belts. Um, they're not stripping Cyborg, though, in Invicta, even though she's got the pending suspension or whatever. Um, and it, she's the current... 145 champion Invicta. This whole cyborg situation is so weird now. So, um, Megan Anderson, who is an awesome Aussie, who basically came to the States for a fight and stayed for a year and a half until she now is a champion, um, took the belt from uh, Charmaine Tweet. Well, Charmaine didn't have a belt. It was for the uh, interim title, but Charmaine Tweet, who got the brake speed off her by cyborg. Um, so, I'm glad she didn't win because there's no mystery there. But so now you've got this this Aussie Megan Anders Megan sorry Megan Anderson holding the Invicta belt, um, and she called out the winner of of uh, Holm Durandamy. Right there in the Invicta ring, she was like, "I want the winner of that fight." Like that's not even you're not even in that company. <laughs> uh, you know, contracts can be signed. Well, but exactly, and that was like she she was like, "I I don't want to to shit on Shannon um, or Julie, like the people who are running Invicta," but at the same time, it's like. She knows what side her bread's buttered on. It's it's the UFC fight. It's like she's a true 145-er. And Holm and Durandamy are both women who fought at 35 and are yeah. kind of moving up. Though I feel like Durandamy is more of a 145. Um, and and Megan's long, and she's got decent boxing, and, and she's obviously a hard worker. I mean, she left her family, came over here for one fight, and just stayed. The, and we're the basically is, both thinking Durandamy's going to kill Holly Holm, right? Like... I don't, I, I'm going to take Holly in that fight. Really? I'm going to take Holly. And again, this might be the same, but see, look, this might be the same problem I had with the BJ fight. I don't necessarily believe in Holly. I believe in Greg Jackson. I believe in Mike Winklejohn. Those guys surprise me constantly when they come up with these game plans. I mean, they surprised me when Holly just took it to Ronda in the first place, even though I said that, that Holly had a good chance of winning that fight um, to actually see it go down. And to see Holly go in there and execute what, you know, Mike Winklejohn and Greg Jackson planned for her to do was amazing. And I don't think that Jermaine has the same kind of coaching that Holly does. And it means a lot. Like if you, it's a video game. If you have coaches that know how to play their characters the right way, we'll see. Sound mm-hmm. like T-Pain right now. I, I'm going to take Holly. That's cool that you're taking Jermaine though. We, we can have a little rivalry on this one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know, man. After, after the Misha Tate fight, I don't know. That's the thing. Like uh, she might be, she might be damaged goods. She might just be damaged goods. I, Who knows? I really would like it if they were able to properly promote someone after their first loss after they were having a huge win streak, but that seems to be a problem lately. Yeah, and, I agree. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to do, though, right? Like, you can't just have somebody shoot them with a taser like Goldberg. You got, you know, it's a real loss. <laughs> There's a um, lot of fights coming up, by the way. Um, so you've got uh, Shevchenko versus Juliana Pena coming up on the 28th. I mean, Bellator's got this 
weekend, which is nice. There was supposed to be a UFC in Anaheim, by the way, this weekend, but that got canceled. Uh, they had talked about that was the first fight that Cyborg was offered. Um, it got canceled, though, so Bellator gets a free pass, so they better pull some numbers with this Chael Tito fight tomorrow or Saturday. Um, but so on the 28th, you've got Shevchenko versus Pena versus number two at 135. I really hope Pena wins. I think that she is the future of the 135 division. I think Nunez needs her to win. I think everybody needs her to win. Um, I think that that she's a credible challenger coming off the ultimate fighter. She, I think she could have beaten Ronda in her heyday easily. Um, and I always thought that. So I, I want to see her, her challenge. Um, Cerrone, Cowboy versus uh, Jorge Masvidal is on that card also. Uh, of course, I'm going to pick Cowboy. He's just been on a tear. You've got Arlovsky versus uh, Francis Ngannou on that. And I think I think Arlovsky is going to win that one too. Uh, Ngannou could put him out at any second, but Arlovsky is great. Also, our boy Bruce Leroy is on that card. Alex Caceres versus a guy named Jason Knight. I, I never think, go um, against Bruce Leroy. He's always well. Pick. And here's the other thing about Bruce Leroy. He was doing some quality time with BJ Penn because BJ Penn brought him in to mimic Yair Rodriguez. Obviously, yeah. Bruce Leroy, not quite the greatest uh, clone of Yair Rodriguez who fights like a maniac. Yeah. But um, I think that that's going to also benefit uh, Caceres, though. I think that's going to give him a little bit of an edge. And then you got my boy, Nate the Great Marquardt, still hanging on to his career somehow by a thread versus Smiling Sam Alvey. So I got to say that this is pretty much Nate's last chance, in my opinion. Um, he's either going to get back on top of things or this needs to be his retirement fight. If he can't beat Sam Alvey, then Nate's got to go. Um, and then you've got uh, Rafael Sunsal versus the funk master, Aljamain Sterling, which is... For a card that that it, I think this is a Fox card that was supposed to be a dud. Those are good fights. Those are all fights that I would watch. Um, and it's not and on a February, Sunday, right? No Sunday card. Saturday. No, no, no. These are all Saturdays. I think that's on regular Fo Big Fox. Um, mm -hmm. Then February 11th, you've got the pay per view, which is home to random me. Um, 208, <laughs> and this turned into a pretty good card too, because now you got Anderson Silva versus Derek Brunson. Hell yeah, yeah. I didn't think that was the um, same card. Oh, shit. A fight that I can't even call. I honestly uh, have no clue. Either one of those guys could win at any time in any number of ways. Like, I will look at how they look at the weigh-ins and make a pick. Um, Jacare Souza versus uh, Tim Boach is on that card, the Barbarian. That's also good. Um, my boy, Glover Tejera, who really needs to get back up into the mix in 205, is uh, fighting Jared Cannonier, who's huge up-and-comer. Um, that's going to be a knockout fest. Mm -hmm. then you've got another knockout fest with Derek Lewis versus Travis Brown. Um, I feel bad for Travis Brown. Clearly Ronda losing means that he is no longer in favor because they're feeding him to the black beast. Um, <laughs> He's going to get destroyed. And Derek I mean, Lewis, it's, gonna, it's like watching a snuff film. Come on. Travis Brown is nothing for Derek Lewis. in my opinion. Um, And then you've also got Dustin Poirier versus Jim Miller on that card and uncle creepy versus Neil Siri. Fuck. Yeah. Uncle creepy. Another yeah. card that just kind of came out of the blue. Then you've got a little bit of a dud card right now with Strew versus Dos Santos. Uh, no one really knows what's going to happen on that card. And I think Elias Thuraduro uh, versus Mutanch is on that card. That card needs some work. Dude, I love Struve, though. I'll watch him fight. Um, 
bring him in. Well, and that's what they're hoping for. And it's, you know, I think it's an FS1 card and it's just kind of thrown in there. And then uh, UFC 209, or as I like to call it, big news if true. Um, <laughs> you've got T-, T. Wood versus Wonderboy now. That was the whole fight that was going to be big news if it ever happened. It's happening. Um, and that's the headliner, which is amazing to me because Khabib versus El Kakui, Tony Ferguson is on that card. Yeah. And it's not even the headliner. That's pretty like, nice. Guys, I'm here to tell you that that is probably the most spectacular prize fight that you could ask for this year. Khabib versus Tony. I don't see why that's not its own show, but you know, it was going to be, I like, they didn't, they didn't need wonder boy T wood, but that's for a real belt. And, uh, Khabib, um, and Tony is worth, uh, as for an interim title for Connor's interim belt or whatever. And Overeem hunt is on that card officially right now, even with the lawsuit. Even Whoa. with Hunt suing the UFC, Overeem versus Mark Hunt is also on UFC 209. Wow, yeah, let's book him against another guy that's likely to piss hot. That's great. Uh, well, that's what that's what everyone is saying. That's what everyone's saying to Mark, too. Like, why would you take that fight? And he's like, look, because I will live up to my part, and, you know, I'm signing my contracts for fights because I have five fights left on my contract. That's the guy they offer me. I'll take him. You know, if he pisses hot, we're going to have a problem, though. <laughs> like, yeah, he's going to have more fuel. suing him off. once, he might yeah. sue him again. Though uh, Overeem looks pretty fat and sloppy right now, and I'm pretty sure, sadly for him, that he's clean. He's not the uh, the Overeem of, of Japan days that he used to be, or even Strike Force. I'll um, still never forget um, Excalibur was on The Art of Wrestling with Colt Cabana. And he was trying to explain to him who Overeem was because Kikutaro, they wanted him to fight Overeem in a shoot fight. And Kikutaro's like, fuck no, I don't want to die. And uh, like in his full gimmick, fight Overeem with the mask and everything. And, uh, and Colt didn't know who he was. So he said, Alistair Overeem is a guy that is genetically created to fuck your girlfriend. And that is like the perfect description. Of so Alistair. frightening. It is. It's really frightening too. It's like my worst nightmare. Um, and he's so nice. He's like the nicest guy in the world to boot. It's, it's so frightening. Um, and yes, I watched TNA impact this week too. Uh, I'm just going to say the biggest problem with TNA. I won't even get into all the storylines and angles going on because they, they got, they've got decent talent there and some of the storylines are even bad. And now they've been taken over by Anthem. Um, but the biggest problem is this toothless fucking crowd they have. Like, you know, after watching the WWE thing in the UK, that crowd was hot. That crowd was part of why I liked watching that show. Mm-hmm. Um, the crowd was hyped. You watch a Lucha Underground crowd hyped. You watch Monday Night Raw, the crowds aren't terrible, but, you know, NXT crowds, really good. And and it's come to this point now where you can't have, you can't have these crowds that TNA's getting. Whoever they're shuffling into Universal Studios or whoever these people are, they don't know the storylines, they don't know how to chant or cheer. It sounds like, you know, they're doing it in a Kmart parking lot. It's killing the show. The owl they bothers gotta, me too, Justin. The fucking uh, owl on the logo. What does it mean? Why is that? Oh, God. EC3 cut a promo at the beginning of the show where he's basically booking himself in a match because there's no like on-camera showrunner. 
character. So he's booking himself into a match and Lashley comes out and he's like, you don't have the power to do that. And EC3 just leans the microphone over to the Anthem Owl that's on the turnbuckle. And he's like, we'll just ask the Anthem Owl. <laughs> like, like EC3 is actually really good. Uh, and it's like, dude, by all means, go into business for yourself. I'm going back to my other story of, I think the Hardys should take over the show. Yeah. Yeah. Do one of those kind of angles. And then somebody from Anthem should reinvade, even though they've already turned the sign over and put Anthem on everything and put the owl on everything. Whatever. We'll, we, we can forget my, my fucking like health insurance. I used to have like Anthem blue cross. Like, I don't know. I don't buy it. The owl <laughs> like, makes me think of Tootsie pops. You know, you got a fucking owl talking to a naked kid about candy. That kid didn't have fucking pants on, dude. You could see his ass cracking shit. That commercial is fucking widely inappropriate. And it is teaches it like you to find a bike stop inappropriate. Is it like that kind of yes. level inappropriate? Is it like special, like like Alex B. Keaton on speed inappropriate? It was like what me and Meatloaf were talking about with the guy that ran that show. Um, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you guys are definitely a very special episode away from being Dudley in a bike shop with that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, Bubba Ray Dudley in a bike shop. Someone needs to Photoshop that. <laughs> Stop it. Oh, and uh, I forgot to bring Velvet Sky up here today. I- I'll have to bring her next week. Velvet Sky to- will come on um, my action figure. Did you have to clean it? Did I have to clean my Velvet Sky action figure? Yeah. She's not even 12 inches tall. She couldn't handle me. No, I don't know what you're talking about. See, Byron kind of inserts his action figures. Um, Ram Man takes a whole new meaning. To bring it back to the He-Man discussion that we all wanted to have today. Thank you. I have. We He-Man. had a little. We got a little bit of a He-Man discussion today. Dude, I got some fucking He-Man news, man. Like legit He-Man news. Stop the fucking presses. They are doing a series on Netflix, eight-part series called the toys that made us and it's all going to be talking about like he-man fucking gi joe all this stuff huge documentary on how the toys were made like all the cool stuff that's happening plus there's a he-man documentary that's being worked on just on the making of the he-man toys in the first place which is fucking fascinating i know you read that oral history article so you got a little piece that oral history article was great you'll have to post it again for other people um i really liked it if you're as into he-man as we all obviously are except maybe byron um you got to check out that article who's your favorite character byron i liked he-man when i was a kid but I haven't watched it since. I went as He-Man for Halloween at least once, I think. Or I might be making it up. It's hard to tell at this point. <laughs> He's as delusional as Prince Adam. Yeah, I went to awesome. my time lapse that's in the backyard. And I guess because it's taking star time lapses and it has to like take a 30-second long picture and process that, that I have an extra like hour and a half left for it to take pictures. Oh, so we should keep the show going? No, we shouldn't. I'm done. You guys are done. Um, yeah. I have some more stuff to say about TNA, but it can wait till next week. Um, they're doing some race for the case thing next week. I kind of want to watch and see if that angle is any good. They got to um, change their belts, don't they? Because they have new logos. Well, not really. I mean, they're still they're going with Impact and Anthem kind of separately right now. But I don't think they know yet, and they've got time. This was like their first set of tapings that they did after the 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 face flip. So. We'll see. And I can tell they're kind of trying to feel their way through storylines. They've already re-gimmicked a couple characters. Yeah. Um, 
I they think they're on the right path. I think they're honest. I do think they're on the right path. I think the crowd's killing them though. They got to figure that out. They got to figure that out. They got to get some smart marks in there. They got to get some fans that know what is good and what is bad because there were actually good angles on this week's show and talent that is putting it in and doing the work and having good matches with good storylines. And you wouldn't care if you watched the show because you wouldn't know that you're supposed to care. What sucks is they had a bunch of smart marks back in the day and they started shitting on stuff when it started to suck. And so they started throwing those guys out of shows. They, and- they, they uh, took like a part of the arena on the hard cam. They called themselves like a nickname or something. Yeah. You know, that used to be the guts arena. They could be fighting for the aggro crag for all we know. Do you have it, Byron? Do you have guts? I have guts. We're just making guts references while you were glitching, Justin. <laughs> I'm not worried about it. Um, get all up in them guts. Yeah, up in Look, them guts. Um, the important thing is we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see. Like TNAs, uh, they've got a chance. They've got a chance. And I'm a fan of wrestling, so I hope they take that chance, and I hope they run with it. Um, I don't have time to talk about WWE this week, but we'll get to it. And next week, uh, if you've listened this long, you're definitely a fan. So come back next week because Carmen Perez, uh, who is uh, Captain Vasquez, a.k.a. Captain Hotness from Lucha Underground, is going to be on. And we're going to talk to her about all sorts of stuff. And if you don't know anything about her, she's an artist, oh, uh, shit. a, a oh, singer. Shit. She's an actress. She's very entertaining all around. Dude, Byron, he glitched. No, he's right there. No, I'm I'm here. I'm just Casey. talking about Carmen. Yeah. <laughs> is it not going through? About any. Casey sort of- just wants me to. Casey just wants me to say all the nice stuff about Carmen again. So anyway, Carmen uh, Perez is going to join us on the show next week. Casey's already bugged out. Byron, you need to get some sleep, but you're stuck at work. But uh, this was a great show. Thank you so much to Eric Van Wagen for coming on the show and um, confirming as much as possible some of our theories just he, he's reassuring um, that it's, the sky isn't falling with lucha underground and that that just that message needed to be sent out there and i'm just really happy that all these people are doing our show i'm very excited i'm very I, i'm ex, i'm stoked that we get to talk to ev dub and, and roach about Dude, the show so many people that. are going to be like how the fuck did these guys get these guys on our show how did they get ev dub and chris roach well i think i think we got them because our theories were the closest to accurate compared to all the wingnut theories that were out there and we that's and also we fucking asked just remember that like why do we like well, why, like why would you want to give away our special booking secrets Oh, the the asking if you want to come on the show secret, (laughs) which by the way, if there's any other Lucha talent, wrestling talent, or even just fans, as you see, we, we have uh, people who are fans of the show or us or whatever, just come on all the time. Um, Let us know. Send us a DM. Like this is a pretty loose, fun show. If you want to come on the show and hang out with us, um, apparently we have a lot of episodes to fill before Lucha's back on. So we need some content. If you want to come on, come on. We'll have yeah, a good time. If you're, if you're a fan and you're going to request that, just think long and hard. Are you going to fucking bother Casey? Yes, yeah. and and if you are, I'm probably going to let you come on the show because come it's happened show. before. See you soon, Brandon. <laughs> w, Brandon. I got to get Zach to come back on. 
We absolutely need to have Zach back on, especially now that I'm going to be watching a little bit more, a little bit more WWE product, just a little bit. I watched, so. and plus night. he'll be down to talk face off with us too because he watches it too. Great, I'm down to talk about anything. I'm down to talk about ninja movies. Like I told you, I watched Lethal Ninja this week, which is a very strange uh, new mark ninja movie. Yeah, early '90s, which is a little weird period for ninjas, like. Yeah, it was kind of in the the ninja no man's land and they had like a decent budget. I mean, there's like helicopters and real stuff blowing up, but the fight scenes are tremendously awful. <laughs> I found it on YouTube. I'm going to have to watch it. Like I, I I did find the full movie. So It's on it's on Amazon for free. It's on Amazon Prime. Oh, shit, Prime. So I can watch a good version. Okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll send you I'll send you the link to it. Uh and it's it's terrible. Like there's no picture or anything on there because it's it's, you know, Oh, that's how you know the movie you're going to watch on Amazon Prime is dope. If it doesn't even have box art, you're in for a fucking gem. Yeah, it's pretty amazing, you know. Um, so check, definitely check that one out. So, yeah, guys, don't j- just because Lucha Underground can't get on TV doesn't mean that we can't still bring you a show every week or try to. And we might take a couple of weeks off now. We have that liberty since there's no new Lucha Underground. But we'll try to bring you guys some fun stuff as uh, <coughs> as we're all coming up with stuff and uh you know next week we got another guest for you hopefully one for the week after that too that i'm working on i'm actually working on a couple um hopefully we'll bring some guys back like vinnie massaro who has been on the show a couple of times he seems uh Vinny. seems like he'd be fun to check in with again sometime soon since he's never on any other podcast or anything god well i wouldn't know because i don't listen to any of those podcasts i mean the guy just can't get booked on a podcast to save his life <laughs> um anyway that's it for me. That's it for Byron. Yeah. That's it. For yeah, I just want to say good journey to everyone. Good journey. Oh, and I for, I was I got glitched on my thank yous. Um, thank you so much for to Chris Roach. This was supposed to be an episode entirely dedicated to him, um, but we did have to let Evie Dub steal the thunder just because there's so many damn questions out there that needed to be answered. And hopefully, between Evie Dub and Chris Roach, everyone is still excited about Lucha Underground and understands that. There are a lot of people out there still trying to really, really make the thing work um, and and for them to keep finding a great way to bring us more awesome stuff. So hopefully everybody will actually stay calm and stay in the mix. 